Listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network for week number three of the greatest month uh, outside of COVID, the greatest month in the history of mankind, because it is the continuation of Rene Russo Month, and we are up to a movie that Ben and I may have seen before, <laughs> might or might not be familiar with. We're still not entirely sure. We're talking about 2002's Showtime with Robert De Niro. And Eddie Murphy, two of the biggest movie stars of the 80s, 70s, 90s, whenever, but still not big enough to get their own dedicated months to them. Only Rene Russo can do that. My name is Colin, and it looks like a gay podcaster lives here. (laughs) Stop looking at me then. And (laughs) my name is Ben, and being a podcast host is not what you see on TV. I've never had to pick between the red and blue wires. Never seen a police car flip and cause other cars to burst into flames. Never had to jump across rooftops or investigate crimes. Well, that's actually what I do. Oh, fuck, I fucked the lineup. God damn it. My name is Ben and I was reading a funny script bit from the thing and <laughs> screwed it up. Bloody hell. I love Rene Russo. Move on. <laughs> it's showtime. It's showtime. New line. <laughs> there we go. New line. It's, it's showtime. Just, just, just be funny. <laughs> Just be funny. I can't tell you how many times throughout this movie I wanted to say that. And here's the thing. It's not an unfunny movie. Like, no. uh, let's just jump right. We, we we ended the last episode by both saying the exact same thing. I think I might have seen this before, but I don't really remember. I've rewatched this now. Or maybe I've watched it. I don't know. It's, 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 there's nothing wrong with this movie. Let's, there's nothing wrong with it. But now that I've either rewatched this or watched it for the first time, I still can't tell. Um, I'm pretty sure that 18 years from now, we could be doing a recap of Showtime and still be kicking off the episodes by saying, I'm not sure if I've seen this movie before. Like, <laughs> it's adequate, forgettable, yep. <laughs> amusing at times. At other times, you're like, I don't know why I'm not laughing harder. This is typical 2002 Eddie Murphy. Uh, it, it's it, That's all we could say. It is 2002 Eddie Murphy. Just be funny! <laughs> I think, yeah, you summed up very well because... I believe we probably have both seen this movie and we just didn't remember it because it's it's there. Um, yeah, I enjoyed this movie. It was fine. Um, I think I enjoyed Pluto Nash a lot more. Um, but oh, wow. at the same time, like, this is definitely a movie where I feel it has just got such a negative reputation. And, okay, this isn't a perfect movie, but I don't think it clearly deserves a negative reputation. It's just, yeah. it's kind of... There are moments it's work. There are moments that don't. I mean, it's just it's such a middle of the road movie that is fine. It's I don't know. Like I I don't think this deserves the hate it gets because this gets a lot of hate. But you know, uh, it's showtime and here we are. It's Maybe, showtime. It's showtime. <laughs> Maybe we're the only <laughs> podcast in history to ever cover this, and maybe we will I always ever be the only one to ever cover this as well. It's it's exactly like you said. Like. More than anything, I spent this movie thinking, why is this movie so hated? Like, what is so wrong with it? Because easiest way to say it, it is adequate. <laughs> it's it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> there is nothing wrong with it. It's entertaining. Uh, it, it's got two likable leads, three likable leads. Um, uh, it's also got, 
the orderly from Silence of the Lambs, who has done three movies in a row with Rene Russo. What is happening where this guy Frankie Faison is in every Rene Russo movie ever? Like, that was the moment in the movie that I perked up more than anything. It's like, it's the guy again, three weeks in a row. Let's look Does he right have a now. contract with is, Rene Russo? Is he in Get Shorty? Let's clear this up right now. Is he in Get Shorty? He's not. I checked. He's not. But I okay. bet you somehow, by the time we cover it, he will have found a way to inject himself in that movie. Probably. It's crazy. He has done as many Rene Russo movies as he's done Hannibal Lecter movies. And he's, other than Hannibal Lecter, the one who's in the most Hannibal Lecter movies. <laughs> it's, it's, it is interesting because, I mean, even outside of that, William Shatner's in this movie, okay? Um, as who? As William Shatner, basically. <laughs> um, sure, okay. Um, there's, there's some other people in this movie that we'll talk about that you're kind of like, oh, yeah, them, and oh, yeah, them. Um, I just feel, I just want to say this out. This is Renee Russo month and we're going to talk about it, but, but like, this is maybe the least she's basically in anything that we've watched so far. Cause like you barely even realize she's in this movie. She's kind of wasted, but I feel so bad for Eddie Murphy. Like he, he literally gets stained in these three movies from 2002 that, Oh, they destroyed his career. I've already talked about how much I actually kind of enjoy adventures of Pluto Nash. And we've obviously covered that this one, you know, it's not going to be my favorite movie of all time, but again, it's fine. And when we eventually, get to I Spy whenever Bond comes out, I'm going to talk about how much I actually really like that movie. So I feel bad for him. These movies aren't bad. Stop hating on a 2002 Eddie Murphy world. And I said it last week too, you know, I, when Eddie Murphy's being Eddie Murphy, I'm a big fan of his. Like Bowfinger, maybe my favorite comedy of all time. Um, you know, love the I Spy kind of like you did. Even Metro. Like if you ever saw Metro, I really like Beverly Hills Cop Metro when he's doing stuff like this and Beverly Hills Cop and Metro where it's action comedy. He's actually really good in that genre. When he does like the kid stuff, you know, like uh, um, Nutty Professor and Dr. Doolittle, not so much a fan, but I like him in stuff like this. And it almost feels like there's just the world against Eddie Murphy at different stages in his career because he went through this prior to Nutty Professor as well, where it didn't matter what Eddie Murphy did. Oh, it was immediately terrible. It's immediately Razzie, you know, nominated. And Robert De Niro, like, I'll just say this. I'm a huge Robert De Niro fan, more for his dramatic stuff. I mean, Godfather made my top 10 list of all time or Godfather 2 he was in. But, you know, Godfather 1 and 2 might as well be, you know, dual greatest movie of all time. Aside from that, even this era of his career, he was a couple of years off of probably my two favorite modern heist movies, Ronin and The Score. So I was like really into Robert De Niro at this time. And I have to say he had dabbled in comedy at this point, which uh, seems weird, but it's something that you know audiences, I guess, kind of liked. I'm not talking about Rocky and Bullwinkle, but more <laughs> no analyze does. this and <laughs> uh, meet the parents and analyze this. And I really didn't care for either of those movies. Like, I actually, I would go as far as say I disliked Analyze This and Meet the Parents. Aww. And I, I almost felt like, you know, okay, it's it's cool to see him playing games type, but it didn't feel natural for him. Whereas more than anything, even though the material is not so great here at all times, I feel like Eddie Murphy and Robert De Niro are both giving this movie their all, which you can't say that for every movie they made. Eddie Murphy gives it his all. It's just sometimes too much. But both of them are really trying hard here. <laughs> I don't think that they have great chemistry together. I think they have decent chemistry. But what is wrong with this movie? They are all, all these great performers really giving it their all, somewhat delivering in a decent movie with some okay action. 
some good comedy, nothing really groan worthy. There was nothing wrong with this. Yes, I do want to scream, be funny at times, but I also <laughs> want to say, what's wrong with this? There's yeah. nothing wrong with it, okay? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I mean, I agree with everything you said. I mean, I for one actually really like Meet the Parents, uh, at least the first two. <laughs> the third one was, yeah, it was fine. But um, yeah, it's just... It is interesting, and it's going to be interesting you talk about, um, you know, you talked a lot about John Travolta being a fan of him. He seems to kind of go through a very similar thing to Eddie Murphy, doesn't he, where it's yeah. kind of, he's great, then he's shit, then he's great again, now he's shit again. Like, it's kind of, you know, make up your mind! Like John Travolta! Yeah. Like Eddie Murphy! Um, <laughs> and it's and it's fascinating because, I guess, in 2020, the time of recording this, Eddie Murphy was in Oscar talks again this year, uh, and he, he didn't end yeah. up getting nominated. Uh, didn't because he was nominated for Showgirls or Showtime, not Showgirls. That was the other one. Well, no, not Showtime. <laughs> what was that movie? Dream Girls. Dream Girls. Ah, they're all the same. Showgirls. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Showtime and Dream Girls. Then we're stripping. Yes. Oh, it's, I, I watched it just after I watched Showtime. Um, <laughs> The one with that chick, Christine Brinkley, or whatever her name was, where she destroyed a career. Not Christine Brinkley. Was it Christine Brinkley? Is that who's in Showgirls? She was in Saved by the Bell. I think <laughs> never seen Showgirls. Oh, once you see it, you'll you'll never forget it. Robert Darby's <laughs> in that movie. Come on. Um. Anyway, I don't know. My train of thought's gone. The point is, yeah, I agree with you completely. This is, uh, I like. There are definitely things wrong with this movie. We will talk about it, but. We're here to talk about Rene Russo. Uh, <laughs> Rene Russo's in this movie, Colin. Did you know that? There's something right about this movie then. Yes, because she shows up every now and then, I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Which You know, a couple of the people... Uh, are, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, nothing important. I was just going to say which is uh, which. I have no clue. Witch. I've clearly lost my mind for this episode. Yeah, Rene Russo, you're a yeah. witch because you <laughs> cast a spell on all of us with your amazing beauty and Russoisms. It's like black magic, this woman. <laughs> I know. Just incredible. Just just be in more movies, Rene Russo. Just, just be more Rene. <laughs> we can say that about De Niro and Eddie Murphy too. Just be more Rene. Yeah. Well, I'll just say quickly about De Niro, actually. I mean, I... I've not seen a lot of his classic films where he's obviously renowned as being such a, you know, astounding actor. I've I've more seen him in the Meet the Parents and, you know, movies like this. But um I mean we talked about the Irishman earlier this year. You know, he he he's kind of got a very standard type Robert De Niro, I guess, that he plays and I, I like him. I think he kind of he works and I like this kind of way he plays his comedy because he's just kind of got that almost no fucks given attitude, but he kind of does it such a in such a way that it works. And I think kind of, you mentioned the chemistry, like this isn't a rush hour. This isn't a lethal weapon when you're just, you're so astounded by amazing chemistry, but in a weird way, it works in this movie. Like it's, it's kind of just, yeah. If you go into this expecting a bad boy is a rush hour, you're going to be disappointed, but it's kind of the straight lace way they play off each other. It kind of works. Although if, if anything, Eddie Murphy is the one that I kind of think, his character's an odd one, I feel. We'll talk about that in yeah. terms of what he brings to this duo. But, uh, yeah. Just before we actually get into the recap part here, a couple of the people involved in this movie that we should talk about here. Uh, first of all, the screenwriters, or or two of the screen. there's like four screenwriters in the movie, but two of the screenwriters on here, uh, Alfred Goff and Miles Miller, who uh, are most well-known as the creators of Smallville. Yeah. Uh, but they primarily had a lot of failures as movie screenwriters. Uh, they had a few successes. They did the Shanghai Noon movies. Uh, they 
were originally attached that and I guess still retain credit for Spider-Man 2, but their script was rewritten a million times. They tried to reboot the Mummy movies with the third Mummy. That one tanked. Uh, literally, if you go through their filmography for movies, it's just, well, that was a bad idea. That was a bad idea. Uh, but they're good writers. I mean, these are the guys who created Smallville. Um, but uh, the, the more interesting thing here is uh, actually the director of this movie, which I don't even remember if we mentioned it last week, but Tom Day, uh, who, of course, had just directed the movie Shanghai Noon from the same screenwriters, would go on to direct Marmaduke in 2002. <laughs> this oh, is the man here. <laughs> geez, I mean, between that failure to launch... This guy deserves oh. an Oscar. I mean, failure to launch. <laughs> if I ever want to watch Matthew McConaughey in a horse date, then that's the movie to watch. <laughs> that is your genre. That's not a joke, people. <laughs> Hello to all our Sarah Jessica Parker fans out there. <laughs> I don't know if it's still appropriate to call her a horse in 2020, but I just did. Move on. Uh, all right, so let's just get into showtime here. So, showtime! Uh, you kind, you kind of get almost everything you need to get from this movie within the opening two scenes here, which is introduced to the two lead characters. You get De Niro giving a very stern monologue, which you think is to like at the police academy. It's like my job as a cop. And it's like, it's not an easy job. It's it. It's, it you kind of ran through the monologue there too, about kind of, you know, it's tough and people will hate you. And uh, I got to clean all the scum off the streets. Give me like a very hard cop speech here. And then they p- turn the camera over and you see it's a kindergarten class. Um, not really the start I was expecting. That's, I guess, a fairly effective joke there. Um, I feel like that would have gone over bigger if you had a crowd there where you could actually hear the audience laughing along, but it was sort of like, oh, that's clever. Canned uh, and laughter. Then, yeah. <laughs> Can we just release a version of Showtime with canned laughter? I actually think in a weird way that would help this movie. Didn't we say there that? There are times in... where it's like, that's funny. Didn't we say that in Pluto Nash as well? Like, wasn't that our thing? The, Maybe, but it would help Pluto Nash too. <laughs> just all Eddie Murphy movies. Eddie Murphy movies should have canned laughter. Well, have you seen Daddy Daycare? <laughs> that was the other one where I'm like, no kids movies or whatever. <laughs> I saw that in the movies. Um, but um, the, the flip side of this is uh, Eddie Murphy's introduction, which is... It's kind of a cool play the way they do these two introductions. Eddie Murphy is doing his really tough cop speech. You know, the captain saying, you know, uh, you know, I want your badge or whatever. <laughs> it's it's the typical cliched cop scene where they say your partner or whatever. He didn't make it and uh, he's breaking down only for them to reveal. No, this also is not a big cop moment. He's auditioning, uh, which if I have seen this movie, this is what I always thought the movie was. I thought he was just an actor, which is mm. where this movie gets really confusing. That Because even in this opening scene, they play this like he's supposed to be an actor auditioning, you know? They say, okay, uh, we'll call you, thanks, you know? And then he walks out and you see all these other people auditioning. And then it gets more confusing when they get to um, the... Uh, the, the I guess the main scene where these two characters meet, where Eddie Murphy's playing a video game still in the cop uniform. And again, you're still assuming he's an actor at this point, because I don't think anything in the movie explains he's a real cop. We just saw him auditioning as a cop, where all the other actors were dressed as cops. There's no reason for the audience to think he's a real cop here. Um, but... Uh, Oh, we get another guy here. Uh, so this is where we get introduced to Mr. 24 uh, slash Covert Affairs slash uh, what was the other movie Nestor Serrano was in that we covered? Uh, Day After Tomorrow. Day After Tomorrow, yeah. So yeah. great underrated actor Nestor Serrano here playing, I guess he's supposed to be De Niro's partner. Um, Big and role in this the movie. The whole setup. 
<laughs> it's tiny role. He, he's in it almost as much as Rene Russo. <laughs> yeah, they have about as much screen presence too. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but uh, it's basically De Niro walking into this convenience store where Eddie Murphy's playing the video game or whatever, and he gets a giant Slurpee, which I was immediately upset that he did not fill the Slurpee to the top. Um, I don't know if this is news anywhere else, but like Manitoba or Winnipeg specifically is the Slurpee capital of the world for like 20 years running. And I think we only lost that title for a single year or two. And it was the Slurpee capital of the year for like a decade prior to that. So basically, please, you're probably literally about to explain this and I'm probably interrupting you, but what do you have to do to become the Slurpee capital of the world? uh, I think it's based on the amount of Slurpees that you sell (laughs) as compared to the population of the city. Right, so basically, Winnipeg people are fat and like sugar. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, that's no joke. Uh, what, it, what it is more than anything is that w- w- Winnipeg, in the summer, we are grossly hot. Like, we are disgustingly hot. Sorry. <laughs> Today was... Tw- wow. Well, brand You're new information. You're really this. I am. <laughs> Can't win a Stanley Cup, so what do you do? Go and buy shitloads of Slurpees. <laughs> Why isn't that yes. on a postcard? Welcome to Winnipeg, the <laughs> slurpy capital of the world. I'm sure it is. <laughs> it's got to be on a postcard somewhere. Make a t-shirt but, uh, of that. Add that to the list. <laughs> uh, so here it is. Uh, two things. One, Winnipeg has disgustingly hot summers. Like today was the coolest day we've had in a month, and it was 24 degrees Celsius. And that does include the humidity, which our humidity is off the charts during the whole summer as well. So it is like really gross hot. And then our winters are really gross cold. And I think I mentioned this, you know, on some podcast before that Winnipeg has like the distinction of being the greatest difference between our highest temperatures in the summer and our lowest in the winter. It's like a 60, 70 degree difference. So Winnipeg is just used to really extreme climates. So if it's the summer, obviously we're buying Slurpees. If it's minus 40 in the winter, we're still buying Slurpees. So apparently, <laughs> Winnipeg, Slurpee consumption does not drop in the coldest days of winter. It stays the same as the summer. <laughs> wow. Wow. You know you know why they buy them? They just, you know, they go into every store thinking it's different, but everything looks the same there. So they just they buy the same every single time. And it's just, oh, Slurpee again, eh? Sure, I'll, I'll do that. Seriously, I, I, I want to see more on that on, like, T-shirts. I want to see, like, just some reality show of Winnipeg, Slurpee capital of the world. <laughs> Uh, I mean, that that to me is something that you should be proud of. All right. So just compared to the Canadian average, Canada, uh, other cities in Canada on average sell 174,000 Slurpees per month. Winnipeg sells 188,000 Slurpees per month. Now, keep in mind, we are not the largest city in Canada. So we consume 188,000 Slurpees per month in a city where our population is about 750,000. So, yeah, do the math. That's why it is so upsetting to see Robert De Niro filling the Slurpee cup two-thirds away. Because I can tell you, if I go to 7-Eleven right now and I see anybody filling up on a Slurpee, it's overflowing. They, they give you those domed lids for a reason. <laughs> you put the dome lid on first and you fill that thing all the way to the top of the dome. <laughs> like, and, and you literally have a cop standing there going, fill that up, sir. That's not all the way up. Yeah. And if you don't, yeah, exactly. there's riots. No, like, no, no, no. <laughs> Oh, listen, you're going to get a ticket if you don't fill that all the way up. <laughs> and you, that's, that's Jamie just w- texted me. 
you guys are getting a little too excited talking about Renee Russo. I don't think she realizes we're talking about Slurpees. <laughs> well, I mean, if they had a Renee Russo Slurpee, I'm not on keto anymore. Oh. Okay, is this a thing outside? I don't even know if this is just a thing in Winnipeg, but uh, they do Slurpee Day at 7-Eleven? Uh, sure. Yep. I, if, I, if, every day I'm there. The only one. <laughs> so there is one day each year where basically you pay like $2 or whatever a Slurpee is supposed to cost and you bring your own container. You can bring whatever you want. You can bring, you know, a four liter jug. There are people who will buy gas cans, like 20 liter gas cans, <laughs> and they'll walk into 7-Eleven and say, here's my $2 and they'll fill a gas can. <laughs> What about a bathtub? 20 liter gas cans to Slurpee. <laughs> bring, in a, bring in a petrol tanker. Like, oh, hey, that's yeah, my Slurpee I'm... thing out the back there. People have done weirder things. But yeah, so. You now, there is a peggers. reason. I, <laughs> I was upset when I saw the Slurpee being filled two thirds of the way, but I understood the reason because he immediately goes outside as Eddie Murphy's kind of eyeing him up and he dumps the majority of his Slurpee underneath the car. Then he goes in with his uh, buddy Nestor Serrano there. Uh, and he basically hides his gun inside the Slurpee cup. So this is his way of getting inside the, the gang's hideout or whatever. Um, you're forgiven, De Niro. <laughs> you didn't. Although still, you could have drank the Slurpee and then stuffed the gun in there. That would have been my method. Do you think? But do you think this- though that Robert De Niro on set was not asked to do that? And he's like, Robert De Niro. So he's literally going to be like, uh, no, I'm Robert De Niro. I don't drink Slurpees. <laughs> yeah, exactly. what, am I, what am I, from Winnipeg or something? No, don't think so. No, not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> That's our De Niro impression. <laughs> Perfect. Best one I've um, ever heard. So it's basically a cocaine deal. Uh, these guys are trading guns and cocaine or something. The whole warehouse is just guns and cocaine. Uh, and there's a helicopter because Eddie Murphy calls this in. So again, at this point, I'm thinking, this is a fake radio. What are you doing, you actor? That's not a real radio. And he's like, you know, uh, this is whatever. Blah, blah, blah. I have a you know uh, situation at the corner. Of blah, blah blah. I need uh, officers uh, on route immediately. Helicopter. Blah. <laughs> he's calling this in. But again, I'm thinking this is an actor. The movie has not told us he's a cop. And if you're going to tell us he's a cop, you need a moment to tell it and not keep confusing us by thinking, why is he playing cop here? Because he's following De Niro into this place. He calls it in. A helicopter shows up. I love in movies, whenever a helicopter shows up, the lights from the helicopter will shine directly into the house. Yeah. As if either the helicopter is at ground level, because that's the only way the lights are coming in the house, or every house has a skylight, because the helicopter lights come right in from the ceiling here. Uh, the criminals start freaking out, saying, you call the No, 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 just watch. And then the helicopter goes away. Then they see it on the news. And I love how criminals in all movies will have 16 TVs playing every single news channel. And then <laughs> the news will immediately throw to a live feed of something that a patrol cop called in asking for assistance because he saw one guy go into a place with a gun. He doesn't even know what he's doing, but this is enough that he calls it in. They send a helicopter and the news crews are there interrupting previously scheduled programming to broadcast live without knowing what it is. Yep. Uh, this is the accuracy of television in this movie. Turns out uh, they see this on the news because of their 16 screens inside. They freak out. A gunfight starts. I was surprised because, again, if I saw this movie, I forgot that there is real action. In this movie It's not one of these comedies that has some cheap action like this is, you know, violent action at times it's big explosions big gunfights not the best action ever but it's adequate <laughs> like i'm making this movie uh and when they uh are on the run uh robert de niro's chasing them eddie murphy's chasing robert de niro because he doesn't realize he's a cop 
Uh, it all ends in a big moment where De Niro handcuffs Eddie Murphy, who's now caught on live TV because they'd interrupt regularly scheduled programming for this. Uh <laughs> Robert De Niro knocks out. I don't know if he knocked out a cameraman. They say later he shot a camera, but I swear I just saw him kind of punch a camera, but I don't know. Maybe he shot a camera. Uh, he shot a camera. That sets up. He shot it. Okay. So he shot the camera, which sets up the next part of the movie, um, which is Rene Russo seeing the media coverage of this and pitching a TV show of this, you know, not dirty cop as in bad cop, but this like, really tough cop who's going to be followed on a reality show. And it is interesting to think this is two years into reality TV as we know it existing. And some of the things they do get right in this movie were things that kind of pre-predicted with the Kardashian type of reality shows we see now that are all completely staged and not like competition shows. But um, her pitch, the guy isn't buying it. I love that she refers to Robert De Niro as he's sexy. He's volatile. He's a bad boy. <laughs> I don't know if Robert De Niro has ever been referred to as sexy before. Like, is he a big sex symbol? Oh, I mean, in Winnipeg, probably. Yeah, just, well, until he did that thing with the Slurpee. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> what you're asked, forgetting. Geez. You're forgetting he was the number one sex symbol in Winnipeg before that Slurpee debacle of 2002. Exactly. Yeah. 19 years running, number one sex symbol in Winnipeg until the Slurpee. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I asked Jamie, I'm like, is Robert De Niro sexy? She goes, Ugh. He's okay. I mean, there's nothing special about him. And I just recalled my mom, who was a massive fan of The Godfather, was in love with Al Pacino, never said a thing about Robert De Niro. So I don't know if any woman has ever referred to Robert De Niro as sexy, but... Was he in The Godfather? <laughs> Robert De Niro? <laughs> he, was in the God- he played young Vito in Godfather 2. Jamie always yeah, is chiming yes. in. Like, and- yeah, still does. Yep. <laughs> Thanks, Jamie. <laughs> Cheers for that. Thanks for interrupting the episode. I don't know if he has <laughs> Jamie. I can't confirm. <laughs> If he does knock him up a couple points, she says. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Jamie. <laughs> Thank you. Your weekly Cast Jamie input brought to you by Slurpee. Get one now from your local Winnipeg 7-Eleven. <laughs> um, but uh, she sets up the uh, the pitch here. Uh, the guy says he doesn't want to go with it. She says, fine, and I'll take it to Fox. Now, this is a cable network, and her threat is, I'll take it to network TV, which I'm sure is a much bigger deal I love that this is a bargaining chip that the guy caves on. No, 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 no. Don't take it to network TV. Like if you had something that was good enough to take a network TV, you're not pitching it to a low-level cable network in the first place. Mm. Uh, But he eventually says, fine, I'll give you six episodes, which also will become a problem later in this movie when you see how quickly it uh, it took off. Um, Back at the station, Eddie Murphy is uh, being harassed by his fellow police officers because he was handcuffed on live TV. Uh, They're just filling his locker with, uh, with cuffs. He goes into the gym and uh, you get this overweight guy here who uh, is reading something and Eddie Murphy jokes saying, what is that, the Jenny Craig newsletter? <laughs> and then he's like, come on, man, a lot of this is muscle as he jiggles his fat. Uh, and this is where we actually learn Eddie Murphy's a real cop and an actor because there are lots of those. <laughs> Uh, there's a Samuel Jackson reference here because they're saying you're getting a little bit old. He goes, well, Samuel Jackson didn't break through till he was 42. Uh, and then, um, uh, he mentions a bunch of other people, uh, who became actors. And then the, the, the friend, uh, he had a good line here. It says, yeah, they have, uh, that, what is that you call it? Uh, oh yeah. Talent. <laughs> like one of those, ah, oh, it's funny. It's just, uh, it's not laugh out loud funny. Um, and Rene Russo, uh, has talked to the captain already because the captain's giving the news. You're going to be doing this TV show. Robert De Niro. No, 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 not going to do it. 
No, I would rather drink a full Slurpee than do this TV show. <laughs> Rene Russo shows up in the precinct. She says, it's so depressing in here, which I did like that because when you see TV shows, it's always like, you know, very glamorous and flashy. And in reality, this is probably as dingy as it gets. And this is what most police stations look like. Uh, that's going to become big later on when they start altering things for reality TV. Uh, the captain here, of course, played by the orderly from Silence of Lambs, his month. <laughs> Uh, if Renee Russo gets one more, uh, then she wins the month. If he ends up being get shorty, it is a dual month. Uh, that's well, what we're going well, to have to Does Renee Russo count as being in this movie? <laughs> well, almost. Yeah. So, you know. If she wasn't so strikingly beautiful, we wouldn't even have noticed she was there. If exactly. this was played by any ordinary actress, yeah. nobody would have noticed. It's played by, I don't know, 2002's Jennifer Love Hewitt, I guess. I don't know. Yes. Who- <laughs> Amanda Pete. Amanda, oh God, no! That that not memorable at all. But um, first first actress that came to mind from 2002, Jennifer Love Hewitt. There you go. Uh, just sort of finishing the setup part here. Um, Robert De Niro basically gets bribed into doing this because they say that the cameraman that he shot is going to sue them, the ne- or the network's going to sue them because of the cameraman he shot or shot the camera of. Uh, the only way they're going to drop the lawsuit is if he does his reality show. So he says, fine, I'll go along with it. Um, Robert De Niro says, you know, oh, uh, you're going to have to meet the producer. Oh, I don't want to meet this producer. It's going to be another coked out Hollywood dickhead. <laughs> and then they turn around and it's Rene Russo. And he looks, he goes, good news. She doesn't have a dick. <laughs> <laughs> um, she quickly meets up with him at uh, the the burger place across the street. There's a bunch of red stuff all over that burger. Did you notice that? Like not uh, ketchup. Like it looked like sauce was it leftover slurpee or something i was thinking it's a cherry slurpee on his burger maybe uh it just they looked film weird this in I mean, <laughs> they must have <laughs> no we never would have allowed that scene to be filmed um <laughs> uh, but uh as he's leaving saying he doesn't want to do the show and just leave him alone uh we see a guy here snatching renee russo's purse uh eddie murphy jumps into the rescue knocks him to the ground uh, spouts off a couple of one-liners, which it, it was actually quite good, the, the way he did the one-liner where he he introduced himself to the camera, and he goes, you can call me, and he turns to the camera and goes, Trey Sellers, patrolman. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love his dramatic delivery. Where Eddie Murphy shines in this movie is where he's trying to play it up to the camera. Yeah. Um, and this movie's very similar to another movie. I haven't seen it since I was a kid. Like, I've, I mentioned on our 50 best TV shows one, you know, my love for Michael J. Fox, like Michael J. Fox was my childhood hero. Uh, and he did a movie called The Hard Way, I think it was, with uh, James Woods, where James Woods was a cop and uh, Michael J. Fox was an actor studying to be a cop. Like he was he was researching for a role and he basically shadows this cop for a week you know just trying to play cop and making a fool of himself it kind of reminds me that that, that's what i like in this movie i like him you know uh trey sellers patrolman like that stuff is good Uh, but this guy here that he knocks down we've seen him in a movie did you recognize him uh is he that's not one of the wayans brothers is it no this is uh kadeem hardison who was uh, he played um uh wesley snipes best friend in white man can't jump the opening of the movie He's one doing all the trash talk and everything. Uh, but he's he's most well known 
for uh, a huge show from like the late 80s, uh, early 90s called A Different World, which was a spinoff of The Cosby Show that he was the main star on. I mean, he was I think he is the only one in every single episode. Uh, he also did another movie in the 90s. I really loved uh, The Sixth Man. Did you ever see the sports movie about the basketball player who's a ghost? Uh, no, but it sounds terrible. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's so terrible. It's good. It's something that would have been great with Eddie Murphy, but instead it's Kadeem Hardison. What is it about the 90s where like, like remember Ed, the Matt LeBlanc movie? Like, oh, let's play baseball with yeah. a monkey. Like, I mean, like, what is it with like, <laughs> oh, no- like with the ghost, a monkey? Oh, let's get Whoopi Goldberg <laughs> from the stands and coach the New York Knicks, which let's be honest, I probably couldn't oh. done any worse in modern times. Like, what, 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 did the 90s just imagine that we lived in a world where ghosts and monkeys and Whoopi Goldberg can just come into a sports team and they win? Got uh, Angels in the Outfield where uh, a kid becomes the a pitcher. Yes, actually, just I love that movie as a kid. Um, yeah, the Water Boy. I mean, <laughs> boy, yeah, it was a '90s thing. You're right. Yeah, this is a trope uh, we haven't. We we need to get onto that. Like, let's do month where sports movies somehow become realistic because of things. Month, monkey, ghost, kid, sports month. <laughs> yes, that's the 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 long winded month. But hey, we can make it work. Uh, anyways, so Kadeem Hardison, who's, who's really funny, and even in this scene, it's great when uh, suddenly Robert De Niro is actually trying to arrest him, and he's like, no, 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 and you realize they basically have to spill their guts. No, this was a fake arrest or whatever, so he could get on the show, and it was really funny when they're kind of going back and forth like that, uh, found out it was a rubber knife. Um, and, uh, yeah, basically they say, hey, we like you. <laughs> we like we like your pizzazz, kids. <laughs> <laughs> whatever they say we're gonna put you on this show you're gonna be his new partner great cl- cliche of movies like this uh let's stop it there before we start getting into the, the plot of this movie <laughs> which sure that that won't take long um just a quick thing did you notice in the executive producers a name in the executive producers list will smith right? will smith will yeah. smith was an executive yeah. producer on this movie okay sure yeah. <laughs> Good for you, Will Smith. Um, good to see that you were doing stuff then. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of the whole thing you mentioned about the cop, like not realizing his cop. I, I think I worked out that he was a cop straight away, but it's just odd because the whole funny thing, and this is the just 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 be funny moment, <laughs> is that they're like, oh, he's a really bad actor. He's actually not. <laughs> I'm like, this is a problem I think Eddie Murphy's character has. It's like in Bowfinger, when he was playing the the guy who looks like Eddie Murphy's character, the guy with the glasses. Um, the double. The double, thank you. I mean, he kind of plays that well as a bad actor kind of, you know, I get a different character. But, like, the, the scene when Eddie Murphy's actually being an actor at the beginning, like, he actually is decent. <laughs> like, and they kind yeah. of, they joke like, oh, he's terrible, don't give up your day job, which of course oh, is acting. Oh, he does improvise a line. Yeah, like, and it's actually good. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. that's a problem. Like, if you make him a bad actor, maybe Eddie Murphy's just such a good actor, he can't act being bad, I don't know. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's just, it's that kind of threw me off a lot. But I think you can even... Like, what you were mentioning with the Michael J. Fox movie, like, I was thinking, like, make it so he's not a real cop. Make it just that he's a really bad actor who just somehow yeah. partners up with a cop, and then you've kind of got a buddy comedy film that way, which is funny. Like, it kind of is... It's odd that he's trying to be an actor. Like, it's... Make him, like, like, a washed-up actor who became a cop or something like that. 
Yeah, like like they say in this movie over and over again, oh, I, f- I keep failing the detective exam. Have him as a guy who keeps failing the regular officer exam. Yeah. You know, where, I, oh, I, I want to be an actor, but I also want to be a cop, and I can't seem to make it as either. Colin, we seem to somehow always come back to this movie because it's gonna it's a sign that we've got to do it next year for our anniversary month. That is evolution. Sean William Scott's character yeah. <laughs> in that movie keeps trying to become a firefighter and he keeps failing. So he eventually mm-hmm. becomes a firefighter, doesn't he, by the end of the movie when they save the world from the aliens. So have that. Have it like, oh, he keeps failing to be a cop. Uh, yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Like th- This is one of those movies. This is in the Gigli basket or the Adventures of Pluto Nash movie basket where it's like, there's a good movie in here. It's just kind of done a bit lazily. And yeah. again, not to say this isn't a good movie. It's just, it's an adequate movie, but there are definitely things that I feel was just done so lazily in this movie that with just a couple of tweaks and all of a sudden you've got yourself something a lot better. And yeah, the, the Eddie Murphy stuff is kind of where it is a bit like skew if around some of those moments there. But I, I'm with you. Like, I love the kind of introduction of, of him, like, you know, when he's over the top and this whole moment when like, he's chasing after Robert De Niro in this TV repair thing. I was thinking exactly the same thing. Like what a slow news day that literally a helicopter (laughs) is listening to a police scanner. We've got a two, one, whatever in progress. What is that? Like a suspicious person entering store. Like I'm a a journalist. We used to have a police scanner in all of our newspaper offices. And if we're literally getting a code, we've got certain codes written down where we know what it means. But even then, like literally if there's a shootout, we're still not going to go rushing there because we're, like, we're going to get shot. Like, okay, America may be a bit different, but like this is not even a – it's not like it's a mass shooting or a freaking terrorist attack. It's a guy and another guy with a potential gun walking into a TV store and you've got LAPD listeners in a helicopter swarming around. <laughs> like how bad is this TV network that this is what they well- do? There is nothing on TV because of coronavirus right now. Yeah. And even still, they are not going to interrupt whatever, you know, old rerun from 1996 they have on right now to show I have an unusual suspect with a Slurpee walking into a store. <laughs> like, yeah. That's not going to make news anywhere at any time. Maybe this was in Winnipeg because, like, that's the big thing. Like, a 212 <laughs> is man tipping out a full Slurpee. <gasps> Breaking news. Oh, hey, welcome to Winnipeg TV. Tonight, a man has just dumped a Slurpee out in the street. Breaking news. Crossing light to the street. Here's Colin Hilding. Like, that's probably what it is. Um, but... It's kind of funny. Like, I like it when he's, like, pointing the gun and then all of a sudden uh, he's, like, waving at the camera. But the the thing is, it's a little minor thing. Like, Robert De Niro, when he's, like, coming out towards Eddie Murphy, at no point does he say, I'm a cop. Like, say the words. Yeah. I'm a cop. I'm on the job. He has no problem saying it five minutes later in front of every other person on the street who's screaming when he goes in that, was it, a laundrette or store or wherever he goes the next minute. He does it then. Like, I'm a cop. I'm on the job. Say it to Eddie Murphy. But, oh, no, movie, we have to have conflict and comedy. Um, Other than that, yeah, the action's pretty okay in this movie. Um, I do love this TV executive guy. Like, Renee Russo is just that good that she literally goes, I've got an idea. Okay, let's film with a pilot. No, you're putting this in series. Okay, I'll give you six episodes. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Sure. That's that easy. (laughs) Every single TV writer watches this and goes, okay, yep, that's how it works. Um, true story. That's how uh, Friends got off the ground, and look how successful that was. So clearly, they were trying to replicate. That's how the that. Oz Network got off the ground. Yeah, we we went straight to series. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> our, our big, big pro- Will Smith is the executive producer on our show too. <laughs> True story. No one, no one was aware of that until now. Um, they're like, they're like, okay, I will give you a pilot. No, I want Star Wars month. I want Terminator month, and I want Rene Russo month. Okay, fine. <laughs> and Will Smith will be our, okay. <laughs> he for that he won't do Independence Day Resurgence. Oh, that might make it a bad movie, but okay. <laughs> We're on board. And just because we can ask, we want to cover Total Drama Island. <laughs> and for that, we'll also cover Nip Tuck. Okay. <laughs> Deal. Make it happen. Um, but no more Survivor. <laughs> We're done with it. I don't care if that's where your listeners are coming from, all right? <laughs> You've still got Lad Undercover listening to your episodes 12 months later. That's enough. That's all you need. Stop asking for more. You're demanding. Again, Lad Undercover, please tweet us something funny we said about this in eight months. We need to know. <laughs> this week at the time of recording this, he's literally on a new hope. We're like five years away <laughs> from him watching this. That was what, October? <laughs> Jesus, a new hope. Start it now. You'll finish it by episode 13 coming out or 12 or whatever we're up to now. Um, well, we should mention. Can we? Well, continue what you're going to say. I was going to say we'll take a sidebar in a second. I was just going to say. Remember this time last year when we were excited for the new Star Wars movie? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it can't be better as the Last Jedi. Um, <laughs> God, I don't even know where we're up to. Yeah, Renee Russo is. Just, she's just so wasted in this movie. Like it's just. I feel you know bad like, for her. She, I. She still, I think, makes more of it than some random actress would. Because there are moments in this movie where where I have fun watching her be the executive and get excited. Mm. And I think it's the same thing as I said about Robert De Niro and Eddie Murphy. Like, you can't say that they phoned it in in this movie. Mm. They gave it her all. She gave it her all, despite the fact that it is just sort of an, a, their character. Like, arguably, I think she she probably has the same amount of screen time in this as she had in Free Jack. It's just in Free Jack, there was a little bit more of a character there for her to play. With uh, the so-called Eddie Murphy Bad Trilogy from 2002, so we've got uh, Rene Russo. Uh, was it Rosario Dawson was in Pluto Nash? Was that the yeah. right person? Yep. And Famke Janssen, of course, is in I Spy. None of them put in bad material. It's just kind of it's sad that they feel kind of the same style of character in the movie. I, I don't know. Um, I don't know when the last time you saw I Spy was, but uh, Famke Janssen's fine. She's Famke Janssen. She's amazing. I love it a bit, but... Um, God, can we do Fanko Jansen month, please? <laughs> we sh- we should. Yes. There's lots of material there. I mean, you could watch the Nip Tuck. <laughs> we could do Goldeneye yeah. again on this show. The X-Men. Uh, the X-Men movies. Uh, taken. Um, oh, Taken. What was that one where she's like a, isn't there like a werewolf movie or something she's in with Chris Hemsworth? Hemlock Grove, yeah. Something like that, yeah. Oh, not Chris Hemsworth. I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, oh, anyways. um. Uh, Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunter. Oh, right, okay. I'm thinking there was something with Chris Hemsworth in it. Okay. Um, uh, Jeremy Renner, but close. Oh, well, they're the same, aren't they? Chris Hemsworth and Jeremy <laughs> Renner, like, <laughs> constantly get confused. Oh, sorry, am I being racist because they're both white men? I'm just thinking they're the same person, <laughs> clearly. Sorry, everyone, I was racist there. Look, sorry for being let's racist. Let's be honest. The only thing that sets Jeremy Renner apart is that his name isn't Chris. Otherwise, yeah. <laughs> he's indistinguishable from all the other Chris's. And, he, and he's got one less ab. He's only got like a seven <laughs> <Yes>. pack. Chris Hemsworth <laughs> has like an eight pack. Um, I don't even know where we're up to. Go on your sidebar. Uh- <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, we got some nice timely feedback here, which is nice. This is what timely feedback looks like um, uh, from our Free Jack episode. Uh, did you read that yet? 
Is this from Matt? Is this from Matt Dawson? Yeah. Yeah, you're a co-host over on Australian Survivor. Archives. Listen to it, Colin. Big fan, clearly. I will. <laughs> I need to watch Survivor Australia. What, what did you think about Shona Brown interview? I bet you she was one of your favorite players from the history of Australian Survivor. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, the work she did on Grey's Anatomy and um, <laughs> uh, how, to, how to get away with murder or whatever. <laughs> Shona Brown on Grey's Anatomy. Now, there's a sight. <laughs> Uh, anyways, he said, great recap, lads. Uh, first off, I need to address the elephant in the room. He basically goes on about how we mentioned nuns in the movie, but we didn't mention nuns on the run. Uh, and we need to do an Eric Idle month. I'd be all for an Eric Idle month. I mean, Eric I do Idle, John Cleese yeah. month before. Yeah, John Cleese before Eric Idle, but we'll, we, we should do, do like We can do Dudley alter- Do-Right, and then we can tie it into Brendan he- Fraser month. He's in Dudley Do-Right, yes. You know what's funny about this? We had uh, somebody message us, it was probably a year, year and a half ago, suggesting that we do a Monty Python month. So I've never really watched mo- much of Monty Python. I've seen like YouTube clips here and here. You know, I've never really watched the movies, but I love all the Monty Python actors. We it's could good. fulfill the dreams of two listeners here by doing... An episode on Eric Idle, an episode on John Cleese, an episode on the other guys. <laughs> You'd be sold on like I it was. It was a show that I would watch sporadically. My parents used to watch it, but um, the Monty Python, the Holy Grail, is yeah hilarious. One of the funniest movies ever made, and I've seen bits of Life of Brian and the Meaning of Life. My dad would just show me clips, but oh god, Holy Grail is hilarious. You would you, if you like Faulty Towers and John Cleese, you're gonna like Monty Python clearly. I'll, I'll watch anything with John Cleese. So maybe we can make a month of it. Even Will and Grace? It's their dream. <laughs> watch Will and Grace with me, Colin. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so here let's get into the plot of the movie, which much like Rene Russo and uh, mentions of Eddie Murphy actually being a cop are few and far between. Uh, so the guy that they apparently arrested in the last scene, or I don't know if he got away He's in his house, at a dilapidated house, and the villain, the real villain of this movie, Vargas, or Varga, what is he? <laughs> Vargas. No, it's definitely Vargas. I was glad you brought that up. <laughs> Let's see. He's bleached hair, boring. Uh, it's got to be Vargas. Uh, yep. Listen to Double R7. <laughs> but he does not make love. Uh, yeah, this one this one does make love. He does make love. <laughs> and, the, and the bad guy um, here too, the, the guy in his house, Moz Def, esteemed rapper Moz Def. Are oh, you a yeah. Moz Def fan? I know nothing about him for as far as his music goes, but he's been in a lot of movies. Uh, why do I think he was in a Bruce Willis movie that I liked? Because he probably was. Um... <laughs> but he's been in a Bruce Willis movie I liked. I've been in a Bruce Willis movie you've liked. <laughs> I think. Uh, Moss Def here was uh, 16 Blocks. That was the one he was in, yeah. Yeah, he was really good in 16 Blocks. Uh, also, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, great in that movie. Uh, Italian Job. Talladega um, Nights, Ballad of Ricky Bobby. Talladega Nights, yeah. Be uh, Kind Showtime, Rewind. Oh, he was oh. Showtime. Oh, really? He was in Dexter. Okay, I remember him now in Dexter. Actually, I remember Be Kind Rewind. That was one of those movies I was so excited for, and then it actually wasn't that good. But um, yeah, he was in Go Gabba Gabba! <laughs> but no, but if you look at it for a while there, like, he was actually really on a roll i mean he does the italian job you know he has 16 blocks these are like starring roles in these movies talladega nights be kind rewind um uh, what was the other one i mentioned hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy like this is year after year after year it's starring roles in blockbusters 
and now he's doing nothing? Like, come on. Let's he's make not... Moss Depp a thing again. And he's a pretty good actor. Like, he's not one of these, like, you know. Oh, he's very... I think it's, you know, calmed down a little bit in terms of like, oh, let's just get a random singer into a... We talked about this in our Crossroads one, but like, I mean, you had a lot of rappers who, I guess, I mean, they're very typecast rappers, aren't they, when they're in a movie or a TV <laughs> show? They're always a, a gangster or something like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's he's good. Like, on our third watch coverage, there was a lot of just random rappers, like Wycliffe Jean was in it, you know, just random rappers who disappear as actors and, you know, with varying success, Eve was in an episode of Third Watch and things like that. But, um, no, Moz Def, not one of the bad ones. Good on you, Moz Def. Make, yeah. make Moz Def a thing again. <laughs> Along with B.D. Wong, come on. <laughs> yeah, six-time six Grammy Award nominee, Moz Def. Make him a thing again. But, you know, it, it just just one quick thing just to say on him seriously if you've never seen hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy check it out because him alone in that movie like he's not even the big star i mean you got martin freeman in there you got sam rockwell but moss def just plays it's it's totally not the typecast role that you would expect that they give most rappers like it's a very sophisticated very funny role like really good in that movie well clearly we're not the only ones who think he's a good actor because he's actually been nominated for a golden globe and an emmy so um oh so there you go was he nominated for the golden globe uh golden globe in uh best actor miniseries or television or film for something the lord made and he was also nominated for an emmy in that one as well all right. Well, yeah, he's uh, not long for this world in this movie, though. <laughs> uh, Vargas, who does not make love, uh, <laughs> comes in. <laughs> he he basically says, I just need you to give me the gun. And th- the entire plot of this movie is a super gun. OK, so <laughs> and this is I'm, I'm sorry. It does not look great. It, we don't really see it do much. They talk about it like this gun can do anything. This gun can you know, shoot a hole in the moon. <laughs> it's just a gun. Um, I, I feel like this should have been something mysterious. In a movie like this, you either got to make it something really great or you got to keep it a mystery. You know, make this the arc in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Make this the briefcase in Pulp Fiction where you never say what it is. Just showing us this kind of lame-looking gun that looks like you've MacGyvered a bunch of other guns together and just calling it a super gun when really all it does is just blow a few things up. Not the best thing to, you know, build your movie around. Uh, but when he gets a gun, he says, fine, I'm going to leave you in peace. And then he walks outside and he blows Moss Def's plywood house to pieces because <laughs> this house from a few bullet holes just collapses as if this were plywood nailed to plywood. This is like a tree house collapsing, not a house. I don't know where in the United States this is going to pass building Winnipeg. Uh, Winnipeg, yeah. <laughs> where our Slurpees hold our cups together or our houses together. <laughs> Um, here we get the the other real scene stealer star of this movie, which is William Shatner playing himself. Yep, <laughs> as the director of the, I guess the promos, the trailers for this reality show is going to come because we get De Niro speeding towards the camera, getting out, drawing his gun. Eddie Murphy, and Eddie Murphy delivers his big line, and then De Niro is just supposed to say something about "Watch us Fridays at eight, or we'll be patrolling your neighborhood Fridays at eight. And there's just no delivery to De Niro at all. And this is kind of like what I was saying, where where I feel like De Niro's giving it his all, but it's just, I don't think he's boring enough for the way people are responding to him. Like, I, I feel like he should have gone all out with, like you said, some of that bad, bad Bowfinger acting that we got. Like, my, my, one of my favorite moments in Bowfinger is where, you know, an actual police officer, like in this movie, is trying to act as a police officer. And his line is, tough guys like you don't get far in this world, mister. And his actual delivery is like, tough guys like you don't get far in this world, mister. Like, it's so bad. 
that is comical. And I just wanted De Niro to just be like so bored. Like Rocky is another good example. You've never seen the Rocky movies, no. but Rocky Two, Rocky becomes an actor trying to do a commercial and is just painfully bad to watch. And I don't think De Niro quite got there here. Uh, but but I love where Shatner's like, good, good. Now just try it again, but this time happy. And then he goes, why would I be happy? Because you're patrolling. <laughs> it's, it's just that easy. Patrolling makes people happy. <laughs> um, they, they're doing more stuff with the promo. And here's the best part where they're supposed to be breaking in a room. And Shatner's like, let me see if I can still do the old role. Which is great because even Galaxy Quest parodied the William Shatner role. Mm. Where on Star Trek, he would just do like this somersault for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> and Shatner does this doing his stunts on screen at the age of 60 or whatever it is here. Pretty good. Uh, and again, they, you don't realize it's supposed to be Shatner. This is another thing where I think like the movie would have been more effective if they had clued you in on the joke up front. Like Eddie Murphy is a cop. Make it clear to the audience. William Shatner is playing himself because we go through one or two scenes here before somebody finally refers to him as TJ Hooker, which was, of course, the cop that William Shatner played. I never saw the show, but that was like his other famous TV show outside of Star Trek. Uh, and then I'm like, oh, so is he playing himself? Because he's a director, and Shatner is an actor, not a director. Although he did direct one movie, it was you know considered the worst Star Trek movie of all time. Uh, Shatner trying to show them how to dive over the hood of the car, uh, which again, Shatner doing his own stunt. Great to see William Shatner slide off the hood of the car and fall on the ground. Uh, I, I really loved all the stuff, especially this next one here, where he's teaching Eddie Murphy how to do an eyebrow arch it's like somebody says something to you and then you just give a slight eyebrow arch which isn't that <laughs> an eddie murphy thing like because isn't eddie murphy eyebrow arch yeah like he does that in lots of things so isn't that kind of a bit of a, a self-funny moment does it well i don't think of the rock are you well yeah the rock and eddie murphy are very similar but um <laughs> <laughs> no I, just, I don't know if eddie murphy's ever raised his eyebrow i'm sure he has look at the pluto nash poster colin he's got a raised eyebrow in that <laughs> i believe <laughs> we're just gonna find he's got one on the poster of showtime yeah, there you go see he's doing it here i swear this is an eddie murphy thing the eddie murphy eyebrow like <laughs> I, I i get it the rock like you know i understand that but you know i'm googling, he's googling it right it. i need the keys colin needs to eddie murphy get to the bottom of this eyebrow <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of pictures you're right the golden child he's showing the eyebrow Eddie Murphy just regular photographs here showing the eyebrow. I spy. He's doing the eyebrow. Yep. See? There you go. Wow. Good call, Ben. Thank you. <laughs> it's, it's, it's taken a while. How long have we been podcasting together for now? Seven years. It's finally happened. I've said something smart. <laughs> I've got one here where they're showing uh, five of the poster of his, uh, posters of his movies where he's doing the eyebrow raise. I spy, Pluto Nash, Showtime, Dr. Doolittle 2, Beverly Hills Cop 1, and The Golden Child. There you go. And only it one of those thing. movies was considered good by critics. Yeah, exactly. So, Eddie, you want to win an Oscar? Stop doing the eyebrow, okay? <laughs> That's it. That's, it's you the eyebrow. by now. Norbert. People say it was Norbert <laughs> that cost you an Oscar. It's the eyebrow. <laughs> And you know what? I bet you he raised his eyebrow in, in Showgirls or whatever he was in. <laughs> There's lots of stripping in that movie. That's why he didn't win the Oscar, right? Exactly. Eddie Murphy, stripper, you know? Yes. <laughs> Eyebrows, just not right. Uh, but yeah, the, this eyebrow thing is great. And they, they, they let the joke play out. I think that's the other thing. Because every once in a while, this movie gets a really funny moment. And then it's just sort of like, all right, on to the next one, you know? 
And I love that this eyebrow thing goes on for a while. We keep showing it. It's like, and then raise it like this. And then Eddie Murphy tries. He goes, let's let, uh, you know, he goes to De Niro. Let's let you do it. De Niro just stares at him and says, you see that? There's a look of silent rage in his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and they start analyzing De Niro's stare. Uh, and then all of a sudden they realize De Niro's not paying attention. And they just start, let's go back and do the eyebrow thing again. <laughs> I just love this eyebrow gag here. Um, but that's why he didn't win an Oscar for this, because the eyebrow. Anyways. Now they're officially partnered up. The cameras are on them. The cameras are hidden in the car. Uh, there's kind of like, I don't know if it's meant to be a joke or, or something that just didn't really get delivered well, but there's a thing where De Niro covers one camera and says to him, it's like, you know, I just need to say something to you. You know, th- you know, I have your back no matter what. Just make sure that you know, you're responsible or whatever. And then he doesn't realize there's other cameras in the car, but like he wasn't even covering the camera the whole time. So I don't know what the point of that was. It was just a little bit odd. But then Eddie Murphy, of course, this is where he's really good in this movie, where he's playing cop, where he realizes the cameras are on him. And he starts going to speak of his speech about Uncle Reggie. I became a cop because of Uncle Reggie. Uncle Reggie was the only one who was there for me. One day, Uncle Reggie died on the job. And he starts tearing up. uh, And then De Niro's like, what are you doing? And then he's like, well, you got your speech. I mean, I'm supposed to get a speech. He even turns and he's asking Rene Russo remotely. It's like, that was a speech he did, right? I should get a speech. (laughs) (laughs) This stuff is good. Um, uh, I don't even know what this note means. A 50-foot shark. Something about a 50-foot shark in this movie? Uh, Is that when Moz Dev is watching the, the, when his house gets blown up? Because he's watching sharks. Because he's like. It's after that. Is it after that? Um, yeah, there was that scene when they walked into the police station and the giant 50-foot shark actually came and ate Rene Russo and she fought that it off it. and killed it because she is Rene Russo. Yeah. yeah, and the shark did the eyebrow. It, it did. And that, funnily enough, that shark was While played by Jennifer Love Hewitt. Slurp. Yeah, while drinking a Slurpee. Yeah, the Jennifer Love Hewitt shark. There you go. But, but they go to a, the scene of a crime, so they're officially on the TV show. We get introduced to their cameraman, who I swear is never there, even though they're somehow producing a TV show. Now, do you know <laughs> this, who this is guy the only is? time the cameraman? No, is he supposed to be somebody? Oh, Judah Freelander. He was uh, probably best known in Thirty Rock, but you've never seen Thirty Rock from memory. Oh, no. Never. No, he's he's a stand-up comedian, and uh, I guess his thing in Thirty Rock was like in every scene he would have a different T-shirt on it that would kind of say something funny on it. So if we ever need T-shirt advice, we could contact him. But uh, no, Thirty Rock. That's what it was. His T-shirt said Fifty Foot Shark on it, it didn't did. it? <laughs> Absolutely. <Let's> see that. <laughs> uh, funnily enough, Judah Freelander was in Sharknado too. So there you go. There's a connection. Oh. <laughs> Which also starred the orderly from the Hannibal Lecter movies, I bet. It really did. Also produced by Will Smith. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Judah Freelander actually was a bar patron in Star Wars The Force Awakens. I did not know that. There you go. Well, he got out before it got bad. Yeah, he did. Um, So they show up to the scene of the crime where the Mostef's house has blown, been blown up here. Uh, and again, Eddie Murphy, really good here, where he's uh, playing cop here, where uh, there's the, the actual cop there who's like, who is this guy? Like, Because he's saying, we need you to do one last minute sweep of the area. You never know where you can find that crucial piece of evidence. He's like, like this. And he picks up a water bottle. It's like, there are prints all over this. Somebody get me an evidence bag for this bottle. And then she's like, can I have my water bottle back, man? <laughs> Um, they are trying to bond because their chemistry is no good. So Rene Russo recommends that he 
go over to him for some guy time. So Eddie Murphy goes to Robert De Niro's house for some guy time. Uh, we just need to say, we're saying that in quotes, by the way. Uh, <laughs> guy time. Which, <laughs> it just which, feels right. You know, uh, can I just say that we often on this show talk about like if we're watching a movie that's maybe targeted more at females, that we're like, oh, as two men, we don't really understand this. Like, you know, but hey, we're going to try our best. As two men, can I just say that the term <laughs> guy time is not a thing that men say. No. 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 If if they do, there's something along going along with that, and you better hope that that's your persuasion. Yep. Because otherwise you're about to be violated. Exa- exactly. Exactly. So uh, guy there time. There is no guy time. No guy time. <laughs> guy time, not a thing. No but to guy time. you know what? Time. Women do use that phrase. Like, I swear Jamie has done that before. It's like, yeah, you should get together with this, this person for some guy time. And I'm like, yeah, that's weird. And it feels weird as soon as she said that. Like, if I was interested in hanging out with anybody, as soon as you refer to it as guy time, it's not happening. Guy like, time. As men, we just go like, I'm going to Colin's house or I'm going to Ben's house. Like, that's yeah, what you exactly. say. Like, it's it, like girls, girls have that thing where they say like, oh, I was hanging out with a girlfriend today, right? Like, girls can get away with that, yeah, exactly. you know? So like, oh, I was having coffee with a girlfriend the other day okay you know as a guy our mind usually goes somewhere else but we're guys we're sick in the head but it's a commonly th- a guy isn't gonna go oh, i was just hanging out with my guy friend the other day or more known yeah I'm gonna exactly. hang out with my boyfriend the other day like different <laughs> different context with different gender so in this age of equality and everything's got to be you know equal there are definitely some things that probably will never change and are probably better <laughs> off for that. And you know what? If we are going to say, hey, I'm going to hang out at Ben's house, you better not make a big thing of it. Because if you do, I'm not going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, oh, are you going to your friend's house now? Okay, okay. Do you need any snacks? <laughs> no, I don't need snacks. <laughs> you know, I don't want to go anymore, okay? <laughs> Stop making a big of it. <laughs> any snacks you know that ben he never has any snacks so you better bring some snacks with him jamie's done that not so much with like having friends over but if like my brother's coming over like like jamie's out doing her thing it's like oh you should invite your brother over so my brother comes over to watch a movie or something like that it's like oh do you want me to buy any snacks for you guys i'm like no it's not a date i don't need a meal and dessert and candlelight You you met you you met Anthony when we first ever met in Minneapolis. You I met did, my friend yeah. Anthony. And I one time he stayed over at my house for some reason in high school and he's like, Oh, you know, okay. There's a guy time, yes. Uh, and he's like, Oh, <laughs> do I need to bring a towel? And I'm like, What? <laughs> he's like, Do I need to bring a towel? And I'm like, Yes, absolutely, Anthony. We've we've got one towel in the house and sadly I'll be using it that day, so Better bring a towel because you you might need to have a shower and the one's already in use. So you bring that towel, yeah. Anthony. <laughs> it's so funny. As soon as I didn't even need to wait for the full story. You said, can I bring a towel? I immediately got, this is not normal. Okay? <laughs> like, like I get the polite, like, like we went around to Mallory's dad's house at dinner last night. So I was like, you know, we're having dinner. Cool. Do you need us to bring like a drink? Do you need to bring like yeah. anything? It's, it's polite. It's, it's yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do I need to bring a towel or snacks? Like, <laughs> like, like, okay. Um, sure. Bring them along. What else have you got? Let's make it a party. Throw in a telephone. Let's telephone, snacks, and a, a towel. Fuck, we're going to have a hard night. Go for it. Hey, you know what? It's the same thing. If, if a guy is going to 
sleep at another guy's house, he's crashing there because it was too late for him to go home. Yeah. Like I can't, I don't know if I've ever done that. I remember one time I went to a movie with a friend of mine and we were bike riding this, but it was like an hour long bike ride, you know, from back from work or whatever. And it was pouring rain. So I basically stop in at his house to dry off for a few minutes and he's like, uh, do you want to just crash here on the couch? I'm like, no, I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> and it's not an insecure thing. It's just, I don't want to sleep in another person. So I want to go to my home on my place. Yeah. You know, if, even staying in another person's house, like I'm not even gonna go as far as to say, should I bring a towel? I'm just like, you know what? It's 3am. Uh, I better be getting home. It's I, I'm the same. Like, and I, I'm a planner. Like I'm not a person who is like a last minute. Oh, I'm going to crash here. Like, it's just, it's just not me. I can't do it. I'm like, oh, well, I don't have my yeah. my pajamas. Well, I don't sleep in pajamas. I don't have my things. Like tomorrow morning, I need my <laughs> things. I, I don't know what even that means. Yeah, exactly. But toothbrush. Yeah. Well, sure, that's something. Um, but I, I don't, I don't know. It's just a weird thing. <laughs> I <can't laughs> said that. It's just, what? Be, there's another weird Winnipegers. They drink Slurpees year round and they brush their teeth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Australian. We don't brush our teeth. That's not a toothbrush. That's, that's a toothbrush. That's what our fingers for. <laughs> that's what we play knifey spoonies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, Prime Minister, have you brushed your teeth today? <laughs> no. What are we even talking about right now? Uh, <laughs> guy time. <laughs> guy time. 50-foot shark. Dennis Leary. <laughs> remember remember the good like old days the- of it's coarse and rough and irritating and it gets everywhere? Now we don't have that. We're all oh, over the place. On. Yeah, and this just in, it is at the time of recording this, July the 15th, and Noah still does not have a date. Oh. Moving on. And what a uh, racist he is. He always confuses <laughs> Chris Hemsworth and any other white guy there is. Racist. <laughs> the point being, I think we nailed it. The guy time isn't, it's not that it's not a thing because guys are insecure in any way. It's just guys are informal. You don't want to plan things. Oh, what time do you want to meet? I don't know. I'll be over when I'm done work. You know, (laughs) guys are informal. And if you make something formal, you make it awkward. Which which I I got told off for this the other day. Because, like, as I said, I'm a planner. I'm probably more formal than the average guy. But I I Skyped with my my friend the other day um, and sort of, you know, made a time. Like, cool, I'll call you this. Time difference in Australia, all that sort of stuff. At the end of the call, she's like, you know, you don't have to plan this. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, you can just call me. And I'm like, well, yeah, I can, but I'm like, I I know I'm not that type. I'm not a type of person who generally likes to just call someone out of the blue. Like, you and I plan. Like, I mean, that's a bit different. We're podcasting, but I'm yeah, not exactly. going to call you on a Saturday at 9 o'clock. Hey, Colin. Hi, Ben. Like, you'd yeah. be weirded out. You'd be like, why are you calling me? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a me thing, it's a guy thing, but, like, I'm always, like, that type of person who if I'm having, and particularly with a call like that where it's, like, you know you're going to be on the phone for, like, an hour or two because you're catching up. It's not just a, hey, Colin, I'm coming around to your house, do you need some milk? It's, like, hey, Colin, <laughs> talk to me about your marriage issues and how many men Jamie have cheated on you with this week. Like, that's a, it's an hour-long phone call that we need to work out, right? Like, I don't know. Yeah. And, and it, typically, if it is going to be like a thing, oh, I, I don't have time to plan this, you're going to text them to say, hey, do you have some time? I need to call. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And like, I, like in this day and age, like, I don't know when I would ever just call someone without, like, I, I would do exactly what you said. You'd text someone, like, is, yeah, can I call or something yeah. like that? Like, it's, I don't know. We're weird. Guy time. This is guy time right now. We don't guy even. Time. Yeah, guy time. Do you think when McDonald's married to Guy Ritchie, like, guy time meant something different? Oh, <laughs> well, that just killed guy time for good. <laughs> yep, yep. 
Guy Sebastian time. Guy um, time. <laughs> Guy time. Uh, anyways, so he brings Chinese over for the Guy time. Uh, and I like that he walks in and he goes, oh, little smell in here. Not stinky, but just odd. <laughs> and then he sees this cup in Robert De Niro's. And Robert De Niro, again, totally unglamorous house. He sees this really warped looking cup and he goes, what did a crackhead make this cup? <laughs> um, we find out that he does pottery later. I don't even know where that comes in the movie, but we'll introduce that here. Uh, Robert De Niro's card. There's some odd cuts here where it just sort of ends and then they get pick up a new scene. It feels like there should be more of a transition, but Robert De Niro's car is it's suddenly the next morning and his car is being towed. Uh, he has a Hummer in its place. And I think Eddie Murphy's driving a Corvette. Am I right? Yeah, it's Corvette. Okay, so a Hummer and a Corvette. So this is where the producers start tampering. And I, I actually would have liked the movie to be a little bit more into this because especially with like the, let's call them the celeb reality shows or, or even other things like Pawn Stars, you know, where it, it's clearly 90% staged or the Kardashian style where the producers are going to say, okay, this is what we want you to do today. And we want you to come in the set at this point and say this. It's still reality in terms of they're using the people's real lives and real surroundings, but they are staging how they want to present it. Here they're doing that by giving them new cars. Um, Eddie Murphy does the car roll thing here that uh, William Shatner tried to show him. And it's a really cool slide across the hood. And I love that De Niro's like, uh, hey, yeah, you know, uh, real cops don't do that. It's like, why? And it's like, it scratch your holster scratches the paint. You see this giant scratch on the hood. Uh, I guess one of these things where I'm reading it now and I'm like, oh, that actually sounds funnier than I remember it being, you know? And it's it's not that it was not funny in the first place. Usually we get these things where it's like, oh, on paper this shouldn't work. But this was just hilarious. And here it's almost the opposite. It's like, you know, on paper this really works. So why was it slightly off in the movie, you know? I have um, no clue. I just want to warn uh, you, Colin, just really quickly. Sorry. Uh, you've used up yeah. our decade uh, quota of the word Kardashian on the show, so you can't mention <laughs> that anymore for the 2020s. Never again. Yeah. I We we are allowed to mention guy time again before we can yes. mention Kardashian. Yeah, no, and we, we've exceeded it now, so now we're digging into our uh, 2030s oh, uh, sorry. quota. Yeah. Uh, we're in the reserves. Too many mentions okay, of the so K word on this podcast. It's a, it's a bootable offence in Australia. Not until the... Not until they're all dead are we allowed to mention it again. And even then, plus one year. And let's hope that happens sooner rather than later. Except for Kanye West, because <laughs> nope. Kanye West is a good with, one. With your luck, Ben, one of them is going to die this weekend. You're going to go to jail. Oh, fuck it. Kardashian, Kardashian, Kardashian. All of them. Car accident. Killed enough. <laughs> no need to stop now. <laughs> oh, but then the news will be blanketed with... Imagine if they all died at once. Holy crap. You think coronavirus is on the news? My God, it would be nonstop. Oh, you know what? Think of the spike in downloads we'd get from that. Remember what happened when Roger Moore died? Yeah, well, the difference is people, <laughs> like, would don't... kill us for that. The people, the <laughs> rabid Kardashian fan mongers and just just stop making them a thing. But, but think about it, Ben. You killed Roger Moore and we got <laughs> 10,000 new listeners in one week for 007. You kill all the Kardashians? Imagine, we're number one on iTunes. Well, we're still waiting to get sued by Tom Cruise because he's clearly gay. So, you know, Tom Cruise gay, Kardashian's dying. Hurry up and happen. We need the listeners. At this rate, we can't get sued by Tom Day for knocking failure to launch in Marmaduke. We're not going to get sued by Tom Cruise. (laughs) If any... (laughs) Has anyone ever been sued by Tom Day? That's that's um like what what, 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 
that would be like a, you know, if a tree falls in a forest in Siberia, does it really happen? Like, I mean, come on. That is also, we've exceeded our Tom Day references. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it. It's just... <laughs> Tom Day is the male version of Amanda Pete. Let's be honest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tom Day just heard his name from across the world. Tom Day just knocked on my door. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's talking about me. Asking you for some... He's asking for some guy time. <laughs> Hi, I'm Tom Day. Can we have some guy time, Ben? Fuck off. Go away. <laughs> Let's watch Marmaduke. Not until I have seen the Marmaduke cinematic universe will I talk to you, Tom Day. <laughs> uh, but but I like the the tampering with reality shows, which really that wasn't a thing in 2002. I think maybe in a way because the Osbournes, I think, existed. But this is still early stages where it was just Survivor, Amazing Race, Big Brother, and maybe The Mole. And this type of reality show hadn't really become a thing yet, you know? So possibly the Osbournes is the only way. So the, forward thinking here, this movie and uh, the, the way that reality TV is produced. Uh, but they've remade section of the precinct. So you still have the Digi Prince precinct and they basically have a glass room made up to look like a fancy office for them. Rene Russo shows them their confessional. There's another thing that they really nail about reality TV. So you can talk in here about whatever you want and you're contractually obligated to go in here for five minutes a day. Uh, so Eddie Murphy also gives his catchphrase here where he says it's showtime and Renee Russo says, that's it. That's not only our catchphrase, that's the title of the show. Um, and, uh, oh yeah. When she's saying, you know, we need uh, a catchphrase or whatever. You need a catchphrase now too to Robert De Niro. It's like, I got one for you. I wish I was dead. (laughs) (laughs) So he's playing his part and Eddie Murphy's playing his part, which same thing in the montage. Eddie Murphy's all into it. He's telling, you know, these gritty cop stories and Robert De Niro's montage is that he's reading a newspaper, he's polishing his badge, uh, he starts delivering his own monologue from Taxi Driver with the whole, do you feel lucky, punk? Go ahead, make my day. Uh, he's getting to some Clint Eastwood there. Uh, no, actually, I think that's all Clint Eastwood. That's not Taxi Driver. Taxi Driver is, what? what is Taxi Driver again? Um, is that, hey, I'm walking here, I'm walking here? No? No, that's Midnight Cowboy. No, taxi driver uh are you talking to me that's what it is right uh now that would have been really good instead of him doing dirty harry imagine if he started doing that are you talking to me here that would have been amazing uh but instead he does dirty harry anyways um so we get a montage here of fan mail pouring in which is where it becomes an issue because this is a show that has been picked up for six episodes now I guarantee that they're filming at least a week in advance. And what happens at the end of this movie is at least two weeks worth of time. So is this type of pandemonium going to ensue off three weeks on a TV show? Yeah. Because this is like it's taken over the world. They got billboards. It's like number one rated show. They're getting fan letters pouring in. Apparently email is not a thing in 2002 because there's still (laughs) fan mail being delivered with mailbags on their desk. (laughs) A little bit dated. Uh, but De Niro's getting like three. And this is another thing that I feel like they should have done more within the movie. Nobody is taking to De Niro. The entire show is sold on, we want this cop. And he does nothing on the show. He's going out of his way to do nothing and nobody's giving him fan mail. Whereas Eddie Murphy is being Mr. Sh- it's Showtime and he's getting all this fan mail. I-, I really feel like they should have done one or two things with De Niro. Now, De Niro's character would not make sense for him to care if he was getting attention. But there should have been a moment where suddenly... Oh, the viewers have finally gotten it. We finally got the De Niro we wanted. It, we just need to follow around for long enough. It's like Ed TV. I don't know if you ever saw Ed TV. No, I, I've heard about it. I want to see it though. 
Yeah, Ed TV, it's basically pitching, let's follow one guy around with a camera, which is so normal now. But the time the movie came out, people were like, nobody would ever watch this. Uh, but they're just following around with a camera. And for the first couple of weeks, they're like, we got to cancel the show. We're literally watching this guy clip his toenails on TV. And then it just sort of becomes a thing where it's like they bring his character out and it almost becomes it's so bad it's good. This movie never had that moment of, oh, the uh, this is why we wanted De Niro. Like it should have been the scene that's going to come up with the car chase, but there's no response to that. It, that's when the show ends. It should have been, you know, letters are pouring in. <laughs> in the last six hours, letters have come in from all over the country. Yeah. Uh, or like, you know. Uh, oh, we hit number one, and you, you're you're now the one they're talking about. But there's nothing like that. I get his character wouldn't care about it, but this this movie has made a big deal about the fact it's like we don't want just any show. We want De Niro as a show, and just it never goes anywhere. So uh, even make it something where the audience does like the fact that he sits there doing nothing. The producers are frustrated, but suddenly they realize people like seeing him just mocking the camera, reading the newspaper and stuff. You know, uh, again, yeah, movie just doesn't quite go far enough. Uh, they're back to the case here after the montage where they're trying to get information on who the villain is or where they could find the villain. So they want to interrogate a suspect, um, a suspect who apparently has not seen TV, even though he's only been in jail for a couple weeks. I guess they don't have it's showtime there because Eddie Murphy says, I'm going to go undercover in character <laughs> as a guy pitching a TV show for convicted con- convicts. It's it's all very convoluted how he thinks this works. Eddie Murphy kind of gets to do a little bit of his thing, just playing this over-the-top character, saying, you know, we're going to vindicate you. We're going to put you on national TV. It doesn't really make any sense how this guy is going to spill his guts and risk his life from this massive Vargas villain. <laughs> uh, but it is kind of funny when he... Uh, he eventually does get him to confess on camera uh, where he thinks he's talking to the children of the world. And the, the, the guy, the suspect's like, all you children out there in TV land and all around the world, do not go to club whatever where Mr. Vargas is. Um, they go to Mr. Vargas's club. Uh, they are going to arrest him. They, they appear on um, with the mic or something like that. And they're like, don't get up. We'll come to you, Vargas. Uh, and then Eddie Murphy, he has a fun line here because it's kind of like, a, you know, what's what's the genre of music? Um, Latin, Latino music. Oh. Uh, it's like Latino club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Latin music. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So he, he even says, don't get up. We'll come to you. You can all go back to living La Vida Loca or whatever you do. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of like the uh, the Chris Tucker, uh, you know, uh, maybe you'll see one of your cousins around here in Russia. <laughs> mildly racist comment. Um <clears throat> And uh, I don't even know what happened here. Uh, there's a fight scene in the club. They're getting this all on film. This is police brutality, but they're getting on TV, so it must be good. Uh, they show him the picture. They show him a, of the, the suspect that died. They show him the bullet casing. He's not going to uh, tell them anything. I love Eddie Murphy doing his fake laugh here. That was really good, too, where the, the villains were all like, ah, ha, ha, ha. And Eddie Murphy's like, ha, 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 ha. Uh, the fight breaks out. There's a nice bonding moment between Eddie Murphy and uh, Robert De Niro here where he's reading his resume, I guess, from all the movies he's been in. And he says, oh, yeah, that was just a, a cheesy, very, very low budget beach movie. This is the planet Gorthon. He goes, oh, it was just a little bit of light porn. <laughs> uh we get the backstory about why he De Niro does pottery. He says a marriage counselor told him that. So this is, again, another moment where it should be the viewers are finally warming up to you because he's talking about his personal life. He says marriage counselor told him to do pottery, and it's something he just stuck with. 
Uh, and then Eddie Murphy asks him, so why are you so crappy at it? And he says, oh, no, it's kind of like you and police work, <laughs> which is a great line. Uh, they walk into his apartment and Rene Russo has redecorated his apartment now, too. And he's like, no, you're changing this all back. And Eddie Murphy's saying, you know, call Don Johnson and tell him we found his apartment. Uh, Rene Russo saying, you know, th- this this screams more like a cop's pad or whatever. Uh, and Eddie Murphy says, looks like a gay porno star lives here. <laughs> and then he picks up a Photoshop picture of De Niro and Eddie Murphy together. And it says, yeah, here they are. <laughs> <laughs> And then we get introduced to the dog, which really serves no relevance in this movie because, again, a great moment you can build a character on and do nothing. He doesn't want this dog. It's a former drug-sniffing dog, which I love that the dog shoves its nose in the potted plant and its nose comes out with white powder all over it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll just sort of stop it there again before the plot really takes off. But uh, there is some nice guy time happening here. Guy time. That's, that should be show time. It's guy time. Uh, yeah. That's... Guy time. Let's do that as a t-shirt. Guy time. Um, just want to sure say... Lots of people remember this movie well enough to get it. Yeah, sure. That, that t-shirt will be our biggest seller. I'm like, oh, I've been waiting for the Showtime t-shirt. <laughs> there, finally, there it is. Um, the guy who plays <laughs> Vargas is a Mexican actor by the name of Pedro Damien, who is best known for telenovelas, teen telenovelas in Mexico. He is 50 years old in this movie. He looks good. Um, he does. N- he does not look fifty, 50 in this movie? in this movie. He's sixty-seven today, but uh, he was fifty wow. when this movie came out, and he was also in the Col- already Russo. Yeah, exactly. He was also in Collateral Damage that year, so uh, big year for Pedro Dame. He's like, finally, I'm going to crack the American movie market, and he did it with Collateral <laughs> Damage and Showtime. So, uh, good job there. And also, just some bad news to announce. Uh, sadly, um, the reason why Moz Def has not appeared in anything for a while. In 2016, Colin, he announced his retirement from both music and film. Uh, and he did so on Kanye West's website. So uh, if you're going to do it big, yes. go on Mr. Kardashian. No, actually, screw that. Not Mr. Kardashian. No, That's a... you dead. No, God damn it. Don't so mean to Kanye. Leave him alone. Uh, can, I, can I be honest for a second? Never. I actually really got nervous for a second where you were going with that. It was in 2016. He died. <laughs> So I'm actually very relieved that he's just retired from acting. Fuck, he's going to die before the Kardashians die. Moz Def is about to die. Great. Good job, Ben. You killed Moz Def. If Moss Def... Yeah, if Moss Def does happen to die, we're going to dedicate a month to him. Kardashians, no. But if Moss Def dies, he gets a month. And, and on a serious note, Colin, have we ever talked about any of the actors from Glee? Because three of them are dead now, and I feel like no. we're to blame. So don't know what we've done there. <laughs> well... Did it make your top 50? I think we both said it was like close to making our no, top 50 TV shows. No, made my top 50. It did. So. It did? Okay. <laughs> Shit. Uh... Then you're to blame. I'm, I'm, I'm scot-free. <laughs> Shit, someone get Kiva Sutherland. He's in danger. Uh... <laughs> 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 I'm worried now for Kiefer. Not Kiefer. Not Emilio Estevez. <laughs> no, they're too young. <laughs> no. <laughs> Shit, what Toby Maguire made him in my top 50? Spider-Man, no. <laughs> Kevin Bacon! Somebody think of the uh, bacon! <laughs> um, Whoopi Goldberg! No, not Whoopi! She's a national treasure! Um, oh no, and John Travolta! <laughs> you're safe. I don't think John Travolta made my list. Um, but, God, there's so much in this movie that I feel like we've just talked over, but there's also at the same time, I feel like I've got nothing really to add. Um, I know! <laughs> like... Again, it's like 
this is a weird thing that in the future we haven't even done this movie yet, but like I Spy does it better because it's kind of, it's the odd pairing of like Owen Wilson, this spy who wants to be more of a super spy, mixed with a boxer in Eddie Murphy. It's kind of like, you know, it's, when you've got that completely odd pairing, that's what makes a movie like this work. Whereas like they're both cops, right? Okay. But yeah. one one is a cop who wants to be an actor who's a bit showboaty, and the other is a cop who makes pottery, and that's it. Like, I don't get De Niro's quirk. Like, okay, he doesn't want the attention, Emily- but he kind of he takes the attention pretty quickly, doesn't he? Yeah, and if you, you compare it to, you know, the buddy cop films, like the three main ones we mentioned, Lethal Weapon, it's more than just two guys who are different. You know, Mel Gibson is basically suicidal. Yeah. Danny Glover is stuck up and uptight. You know, it's not just they're different types of cops, different types of personalities. You know, Rush Hour, you have, you know, cultural differences you're playing on in that one. Bad Boys, you have two guys who should be the same because they, they grew up as best friends. But one is rich and, you know, dangerous and a ladies man. And the other one is short and boring and a family man. And you know, they're, they're always playing on let's. Yeah, Martin Lawrence. But, but it's always supposed to be let's be opposite in as many ways as possible. And here it's just, well, Eddie Murphy's got a big mouth and Robert De Niro doesn't. It, 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 more than anything, their difference is Eddie Murphy likes to talk and De Niro doesn't. We don't know that they're different as cops. Eddie Murphy's never said to be a bad cop in this movie. Yeah, De Niro's never said to be a great cop. They're, it's not even like Bond cop, bad cop, where again, their styles of police work were so drastically different. Like this movie... They're not, it seems weird to be saying that De Niro and Eddie Murphy are too similar, but for this genre, they are. Well, it's true. And I mean, this is where it comes into the fact that there's a good movie in here and it's a little bit lazy. Like there's just elements that you tweak here and there and it works fine. And I don't know if that's why people hated on this movie so badly, but I mean, again, it doesn't make it a bad movie. It's just, it doesn't work in the way that it should. And that's where you kind of have the issue with it because the conflict between these two is like two scenes and then they're kind of fine with each other. And then going through all the TV stuff, like you're right. Like how is this show such a big thing all of a sudden overnight? And then they're getting fans one minute and the next minute they're not. And then I don't understand. Like they get supposedly fired and off the case because of this crash, but then it's a setup and all they're doing is chasing a gun. Like it's, (laughs) it's kind of odd. Um, But again, like, here we are doing the day after tomorrow route and kind of bagging out this movie, but it doesn't make it bad. And I just, yeah. that, that's the overall theme of this episode is us saying, okay, it's lazy, it's a bit missing things here and there, but this movie got so much hate and it doesn't deserve it mm-hmm. because, I mean, even the thing you discovered that in Pluto Nash is that, like, I mean, that's always been a guilty pleasure movie of mine. But I think in a way I can kind of see more why Pluto Nash in a way was, well, maybe. I think a lot of that comes down to the financial aspect to it and that. But again, like I think even you said, well, this really isn't that terrible of a movie. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with this. The point is I don't have a whole lot more to say on anything else that has been added. Um, I love this Showtime van that's like covered with the Showtime logo and everything. <laughs> and downtown LA is just comes to a standstill when people walk around with giant things. And Renee Russo, like, as much as she's not in this movie, she's a bit of a badass because she's just a TV producer, but she's literally in a truck that's getting rammed off the road and explosions are going around her. She's just like, oh, yeah. oh, keep filming. Like, good for you, Renee. Yeah. <laughs> like, strong female characters. She is one. Well, 
but that's why what's going to become frustrating when we get to the end of the movie, which if yeah, you've got nothing else to add, we can kind of jump into it. Yeah, I'll go yeah. for it. End um, it. <laughs> so just end it. Just end it already. <laughs> uh, so I, here's the one thing for me with the story. The story never really takes off in this movie. And I don't know if it's because they don't spend enough time on it. Like, we literally have three scenes with Vargas. Yeah. And he's the main villain of the movie. And they spend so much time on the launch of this TV show that you forget they are working on a case. And that's the other difference this movie is like a little over an hour and a half i'm not going to say that that's a fault of the movie you know the lethal weapon movies are around two hours the bad boys movies around two hours but i'm pretty sure the rush hours are not that much longer than this and the rush hours knew how to build a plot you know so you're constantly being reminded you're working on a case this is what the case is for it was where, where we're at right now this is like the last 20 minutes of the movie and it's only here that the story actually really is introduced where you as an audience member you should know about halfway through a movie what this movie's going to be about it's not until the last 20 minutes you even know what this movie is going to be about, which is, hey, we're going to find this, you know, guy with the super gun and we're going to catch him. Now, how are they going to do that? Because uh, the villain is the dumbest villain in the history of movies. <laughs> this is supposed to be the big boss. This is the crime boss. This is the godfather. Now, in the real world, fine. That's one thing. Movies is different. But even in movies, there is no way that the big crime boss who has evaded arrest for this long is going to be sitting in the truck that is robbing an armored truck without a mask okay (laughs) like this was just idiotic this should have just been henchmen like the big boss is not involved in the menial crimes but he's there uh as they try to knock over an armored car and i think because the comedy in this movie isn't really it's not big enough you know it's funny but it's not overly funny and also for a movie that I, I'm guessing this was R-rated, uh, can we see here? Uh, was it? Let's see. I mean, to, to me, there are moments where I thought this probably got an R rating, but maybe it wasn't. I don't know. Uh, I'll find that out. Keep talking. You see if you can find that. I'll find it. You find it. Uh, the, the, the action here almost catches you off guard because the comedy feels so PG-13. And then the action, it's like, oh, this is getting a little bit violent. It's just a, a big tone shift. But this is the action stuff I really liked here, this armored uh, armored car uh, robbery. And um, De Niro and Murphy show up. Uh, the, PG-13. The, the, the TV. PG-13. This is PG-13? Okay, yeah. so again, that kind of makes my point. I feel like if this were an action movie, the action they do show, which is minimal, feels like an R-rated. This feels like a lethal weapon or a bad boys. It feels like an R-rated comedy or our action movie. And the comedy, you know, feels almost less than pg-13 you know rush hour almost feels like r-rated comedy compared to this it's just it feels like two separate movies when it's the action versus the comedy but the the one part in particular here is where robert de niro is in the cop car that the garbage truck is fork lifting up in the air while speeding that was a great moment great stunt uh, I'm sure De Niro did it all himself, uh, but it's not just one stunt. It's it's a chase that lasts for a while. And you got Rene Russo chasing in the van. You have the satellite dish being knocked off the van. She's like, oh, great. We lost picture. And I'm thinking, from what? Your cameraman is nowhere to be seen in the last hour of the movie. <laughs> like, I wonder how bad this show really is, because every time something interesting is happening, there's no camera around. Like, it's not like there's always a cameraman there. And if there is a camera, it's shooting them from the other side of the room. Would you watch a TV show? If this is a TV show that is dominating the ratings and they go into the club scene when they're confronting the villain, there's not a cameraman on all angles. 
That's one angle filming them from it's behind from about 100 cam. feet away. That would make you vomit like yeah. two seconds. The stuff that What's His Face is filming in the car when De Niro's jumping on the car. Like, that's that. what is that camera? Yeah. That's just like one of those Sony handy cams you got from the Best Buy yeah, back in like the day. Yeah, it's like a camcorder. Yeah. Yeah, this is 8 millimeter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, it doesn't even look like a real camera. You're right. Um, but it would, this would be the worst TV show in the history of TV because it, they seem very obsessed with, oh, we need to get this for the show, and then they never are actually filming anything. Um, but, uh, yeah, the cop car thing was great with the the, the fork lifting off the ground. Um, this big action piece which ends in disaster, gets De Niro uh, basically kicked off the show, or gets Eddie Murphy kicked off the show and De Niro kicked off the case because that's the way they want it. One wants the show, one wants the case. So it's all over. Uh, they're emptying out De Niro's apartment because the show's over now. The show's only been on the air for a month. It's not like it's that big a deal. They changed his apartment over 24 hours ago. So I don't know how they, they changed it over that quickly and changed it back so quickly. Uh, but he's keeping the dog because he likes to. This is an important part of the movie. Yep. The dog was introduced in a scene where he didn't want it. And now he wants the dog. But we're never going to hear from it again. Why not a scene about I don't need pottery. I just needed a companion. Here's my dog. Something, you know. Simple. That, that, um, that makes sense. You just rewrote. Good job, Colin Hilding. Yeah. There you go. There we go. Now, Tom Day, you need to hire us for Marmaduke 2 or Failure to Launch 2. We will make it work. Colin, Colin, breaking news, he did, but we said no. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Because yeah. Will Smith was not attached as a producer. We only yeah. worked with Will. We're, we're too Without good Big for Willie Marmaduke 2. Like, come on. Yeah. We have a reputation to live up uh, to. Now, here's another part of the movie which really uh, had me scratching my head. First of all, I like the scene where De Niro is talking to Eddie, or before he talks to Eddie Murphy, he's watching the show for the first time, I'm guessing. Mm. And he sees the scene where his captain had been filming them, uh, you know, basically kicking De Niro off the case, Eddie Murphy off the show. He's basically telling Eddie Murphy, you're off the show now. And he's he's taking the hit for him, or he's not even saying he's off the show, I don't think, but he's basically taking the hit for De Niro. He says, listen, I can't let him be the only one that takes the heat for this. If you're letting him go, you're letting me go too. And he goes, okay, fine. So De Niro actually sees that Eddie Murphy had his back, which is what his scene earlier in the movie was setting up. He he wanted him to do. So he calls him up and he, he has some guy time here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> where it, it, it consists of what guy time would really be. Yeah, you just, uh, just checking in. How, how's it going? <laughs> Instead of simply saying, listen, I saw what you saw and said on TV. I really want to thank you for that. I really appreciate it. No, this would be guy time. Uh, so what are you up to? Yeah, okay. All right, nice talking to you. Bye. Like, that's guy time right there. <laughs> and let's be honest. If, if you are going to resemble any of, you know, positive news like that, you're probably going to text it because you don't have to be there to have the awkward facial, rec- you know, the reaction and the, yeah. the awkward moment afterwards of when you've had the guy time nicety. You just send yeah, it exactly. in a text and then you literally write back, Cool, bro. Thanks. You don't want to see that that post guy time face. Yeah. it's just very awkward, very inappropriate. Yep, yep. <laughs> uh, we seriously need to. I want. Nobody's going to recognize it, but I want a guy time shirt for myself. <laughs> It'll say Colin Hilding, Ben Water. We'll put our fit. Let's just do it on the poster. <laughs> very least, we could do a cheap Photoshop of the poster with. Me on Eddie Murphy's body, you on Robert De Niro's body, and then we just change it to Colin Hilding, Ben Waterworth, guy time. <laughs> yeah, you might be wearing that t-shirt by yourself. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'll put it as the background on my computer. Maybe okay. I won't pay for the shirt. Do it. Anyways, so here comes the really weird moment in the movie. Um, 
Oh no, they do have the funny part here where he, uh, you know, says, "Yeah, I yeah, yeah. hope you. If you need any help passing that detective exam, just give me a call." Oh, so you think I make a great detective? No, I think you'd make an okay one. Like, he's still not willing to give up anything on him. But this is where De Niro's watching the show, and he says, hold on a second, are you watching the show? Is that Charlie Hurts? And I'm like, who's Charlie Hurts? <laughs> and they started dropping this name. He said, like, wait, let me go back. And you're like, that is Charlie Hurts. What's he doing there? And I'm thinking like, who is Charlie Hurts? I don't know who this is. I don't recognize the man. I've never heard his name before. I don't think he's part of this movie. It, what it reminded me, I'm sure that there's something early in the movie where they set up, this is going to be kind of important character, but you ever see the Denzel Washington, Angelina Jolie movie, The Bone Collector? Oh, years and years ago. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to just spoil, without spoiling it, I'm going to spoil They collect it. bones. The whole movie is... <laughs> But the whole movie is let's identify. It's a who who done it. Who's the serial killer? Like you'd see in Scream or anything else. But when they reveal who it is, it is somebody so insignificant that you will actually be rewinding the movie <laughs> to see if this character really did appear in previous scenes. That's what Charlie Hurts is here. Did you know who Charlie Hurts is? Am I blind? Uh, no, I didn't. And when I even when I saw the face, I'm kind of like, oh, was that that slightly sinister guy who had one scene earlier? Because I remember when he had the scene, and you were kind of like, oh, they're focusing a little bit too much on him. He's going to have some part of the plot later on, and clearly, he's the bad guy. Yeah, he he's a very key part of the plot here. I love though when I was actually real, I rewound it. I'm like, what did they say? Who is that? Because I'm actually looking. I'm like, I must be missing something. And then Eddie Murphy says, "Hold on, I need to see him again." And I'm like, yeah, so does the audience. Thank you for speaking our mind, Eddie. <laughs> we don't know who Charlie Hurts is. Who's Charlie Hurts? Does he drink Slurpees? Does he like guy time? We need to know more about Charlie Hurts. Does he like Renee Russo? Well, of course he likes Renee Russo. Uh, everyone does. So you Everybody know. likes Renee Russo. Yep, yep. We, we need to narrow it down a little more. Uh, but yeah, it's just it's bizarre they throw that in here. Uh, they decide they want to take up the case themselves. Uh, they go to investigate some place where they see a bunch of guns everywhere and Eddie Murphy gives a line. It's like, uh, whatever happened to the good old days when people would just grow pot in their garage? <laughs> <laughs> um, this leads them to the gun show uh, <laughs> where people are selling guns and this guy that they're trying to find, Charlie Hurts, who everybody knows at this point, uh, has a setup at the gun show. And Renee Russo is there and she's brought the TV cameras and they just appear instead of having a build up to this. It literally is just Renee Russo with a microphone reporting. Hi, I'm reporting live. I'm from the TV show Showtime. And they're all clapping as if they know who the executive producer of Showtime is. That's been on the air for three weeks. Um, <laughs> we all know like, the executive. Colin, like, let's be honest. If the executive producer of Total Drama Island walked in there, you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, if they look like Renee Russo, we would know. Right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. We would make a point. Uh, but she's basically, have you seen this man? It's like the Terminator 2 thing. She's pulling up a picture of Vargas. It's like, they he is armed and dangerous. You're at a guy. I love how everybody starts screaming here. Ah, he's armed. No, the, so is everybody. No, there are the, the, 10,000 people in their arms. To before that bit, though, probably the funniest bit of the whole movie is when she says they are armed and dangerous. Everyone cheers. They're like, yay, they're armed <laughs> and dangerous. I love that bit. <laughs> but then they run. Yeah, like, I don't understand it. They've got guns. This is this is like, I mean, a classic miss piece of comedy. Like literally, everybody should be pulling their guns yeah. out right now. 
exactly. You have everybody pull their gun out and they're pointing at each other or something. Uh, or they all pull it out of him and he just runs like something. Then the scoreboard from the middle of this venue just drops on. Um, sub, drops on. I wrote in my notes, scoreboard drops on guy. The audience is still trying to remember. <laughs> That's Charlie Hurts, by the way, if you need the not name. Charlie Hurts. No, not Charlie. <laughs> uh, here's where we really would have loved Rene Russo. Like, this is where... I think I kept thinking because this movie is slightly similar to Lethal Weapon in ways. I kept picturing her getting kidnapped by the villain and just kicking him in the balls and headbutting him in the nose, which is what Lorna, her character in Lethal Weapon, would have done. Um, but instead, he just kidnaps her and she, you know, just is a body shield for him, just quivering. Doesn't fit the rest of her character, but boy, does she look good for forty-eight or whatever she, she is does. at this point in the movie. She really well, does. Let's let's check in with Renee's age at this point. What is Renee's age? Uh, let's just cross now live to the streets of our Renee Russo <laughs> correspondent Ben Waterworth. Ben, thanks for joining us. Forty-eight. Thanks, Ben. Oh, Colin just interrupted the correspondent. Forty-eight. He's correct. Yes, thank you. Back to the Oz Network. Forty-eight years old in this movie. Uh, to put that into perspective. Robert De Niro was 49? Do I have the right? No, no. he's old. 59. You'd have to be older than that. Robert 59? De Niro. Yeah, I mean, he's old yeah. in this movie. Okay, 59. <laughs> you know what? The, the funny thing is I'm actually quite good at math. Like, I could do complex <laughs> math in my head, but you put me in front of a microphone and I'm constantly getting it wrong. Robert De Niro um, makes you 59. think differently. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, he's sexy. He's volatile. He's a bad boy. <laughs> um it's 11 years difference between Rene Russo and Robert De Niro. You go back 11 years prior to this, Robert De Niro looks like Rene Russo's grandpa. Um, anyways, we have to get something positive on Rene Russo in this movie. So they decide they want to come save the day. Uh, Vargas, who has revealed himself to the world, and now helicopters, of course, are right outside. All the cameras on him, every channel, tuned in within seconds. They love helicopters um, in this movie. There's that shot where there's like 10 yeah. of them in a row above LA. Like, Jesus Christ. Very slow news day here. Uh, there is kind of a cool finish here, though, where he tells them to throw their guns inside, and then the, De Niro basically takes the camera from the cameraman, slides Eddie Murphy's minigun into the cassette holder, which will become a problem in a minute, but it's a cool idea. I just thought he's hiding the gun to get it in there. So he walks in and says, I've got a camera. We're going to film your demands. Again, Vargas at this point should be, nobody should be seeing my face. Yeah. You know, I understand you've been implicated, but still, you're going to make it worse. Uh, but he lets him bring the camera in, and uh, there's a shootout here where De Niro shoots him through the camera <laughs> while the gun is still inside the cassette holder, Yeah, which I don't understand. It is a perfect shot. Uh, and gunfire returns from behind them. The super gun, because it's a super gun, blows three holes in the roof, which goes all the way up to a pool that just happens to be on the roof which very slowly leaks in. Now, I'm sorry. If you have blown a hole that has gone through the roof, through a pool, and past the people in the pool, that water is instantly in. It is not a 20-second delay before the water rushes in. Yep. Like, that's not how physics works. But the water slowly rushes in. The roof caves in. Vargas gets washed overboard. They save Rene Russo. Um, Eddie Murphy and Robert De Niro are being washed out with the flooding off the top floor of this building. They handcuff each other together. They barely, you know, handcuffs barely catch on to part of the the window. Uh, they save the day, end of the movie, except they're back at the precinct now. Uh, and 
there's new cops for the TV show. I guess they're saying they're they're trying this out. I don't know if they what did she say it was a spinoff or something. I don't even remember. But there's two female cops who are showing a lot of cleavage for cops. Uh, Eddie Murphy has passed the detective exam. Um, he gives them a gift, which is a poorly well, will be the way you say it, poorly pottered uh, thing. <laughs> it's a poorly potter. Yeah, my pottery knowledge is uh, yep. That's exactly yeah, how you exactly. say it. This is like what I asked Ben about his knowledge of art. Yep. <laughs> Based on when I watched Ghost, I became an expert. So yep, you have you have uttered the correct phrase yeah. there. Uh, one final good laugh of the movie here. Eddie Murphy doesn't need to be big and over the top to really be funny because I, I one of the I think one of the funniest lines in this movie. Uh, is the earlier on when uh, he just sort of walked in and he said, you know, it looks like a uh, gay couple lives here or whatever. And he just picks up a picture and literally all Eddie Murphy says, is, yeah, here they are. Like, <laughs> it was really funny. But here where he gives him a loose change dish, which is just, uh, you know, his poorly pottered thing. Uh, and Eddie Murphy's just like, wow, I haven't seen level of craftsmanship like this since back in my kindergarten days <laughs> which again you read it on paper it wasn't as hard as i laughed when i saw it in the movie yep. so just be something funny. a little off the movie be funnier um but it's showtime and it's it's over yeah um so i'm just <laughs> watching some bits and pieces here of the movie right now the bit with the gun in the camera so the, you actually like I, maybe it was a deleted scene or maybe they just didn't show it like he puts his obviously breaks the little glass bit which shows you where the tape is because he's got his finger kind of like in the hole where the tape should be. So, again, you need to explain that. We can't see him do that until you actually like... I mean, 2002, no one was podcasting about Showtime to go back and watch it scene by scene and frame by frame to be able to work that out. So, yeah, that's kind of strange. Um, the, The bit when he's with his friend... Uh, Eddie Murphy's with his friend and he's like, you know, oh, we don't need Showtime. We can go make our own buddy cop film. We can go be bike riders on Venice Beach or whatever. Oh, yeah. I love the fact that he calls himself John Locke. A bit of a nod there for our Lost fans yeah. out there. Um, yeah. Yeah, the dog. I don't get the dog. Like, okay, sure. Um, and, yeah, the gun show, like, it's just hilarious. I just love that bit. The, the, the funniest bit of the movie, you know, armed and dangerous. Ah, they start cheering. Um... Yeah, I don't really have a whole lot to add because, again, it's just there's nothing really like I feel like we've nitpicked at the things that need to be nitpicked about. Um, it's not terrible, but it's not brilliant. It's just kind of like, okay. Um, and like, I, oh, yeah, I don't know. I really don't know what to say. I, I like the bit at the I like the kind of standoff at the end and kind of the way the water goes through and they fall out the window. Like, it's a cool stunt. It looks cool and sort of it's, a, it's an interesting way to end yeah. the movie. But... Again, just like this whole movie, you kind of just feel very underwhelmed by it, uh, and and you shouldn't. I feel I just again the potential here. There was a good movie in this. I also love it when Rene Russo is getting held hostage and like kind of wasted. Turns into the damsel in distress, but at the same time, like she kind of gets captured and she kind of just holds her own. Like she kind of just it's almost like she doesn't give a shit. Like she's like, oh yeah, take me hostage, whatever. Yeah. Like she's not over the top well, screaming. She should be like. But you know what would have really suited her character if she's like, get a camera on me right now. I'm yeah. being held hostage. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Like, kind of do it that way. Um, because I, I, it's interesting. I know I'm jumping ahead here a little bit with the reviews. But um, one of the reviews here is saying that it kind of, you know, it's a satire, but then it ultimately becomes a type of movie that it's trying to satire. And that's an interesting point because there mm-hmm. are definitely elements of this movie where I think kind of it would have been better with a more satirical tone. Like when you kind yeah. of got all these helicopters in, I mean, are you trying to say this is a bit of a satire of the oversaturation of how, 
helicopters and the news follow things like this like make it more prominent like earlier on in the movie when kind of you got that police line and eddie murphy's going off at the the camera crew i mean you know stereotypical old journalists are pricks you know like we're going to paint them out to be the bad guys well do a bit more of a satire of this like what you just said there with get a camera on me that that's hilarious like that that would be great yeah like that that satires it a little bit more it's kind of there are just elements here which you just add a few tweaks and it would be a hundred times better so yeah, and like the ending, like with the like, if this show is so successful, why would you be cancelling it and putting in two women in and like going, oh, we're, 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 you can make a cameo? Like, is this two thousand and twenty? Is this movie predicting the future? Like, all female reboot reboots are in. Like, this is what it's got to be. And the other thing too, like the implication of Robert De Niro and Renee Russo being a couple, we get one line of, yeah. well, she doesn't have a dick. To a kiss at the end of I'll see you at eight. Like, why? Like, is it because it's it a goes movie? Nowhere. You need to have a love story? Um, it goes literally goes nowhere. And again, are there deleted scenes? Was there more in the script that we were meant to see here? But I mean, you don't need it. This this is a movie where you legitimately don't need any love interest in it at all. I mean, Rush Hour didn't in the first one, at least didn't. The second one you kind of had that other cop who sort of was into Snoopy and was sort of more into Jackie Chan and the third mm. one was in on a French agent that was into Chris Tucker it's been a while since I've seen the third one but yeah. I, the first one definitely didn't have a love interest in it um so I mean again you don't need it so it's odd I do kind of like the I always like a good blooper reel at the end of a movie uh although this blooper reel isn't that brilliant but I do kind of like Robert De Niro's like looking into the camera bit when he's like going a bit silly and stuff like that so yeah, and then uh, we talked about the soundtrack featuring how many songs by Shaggy. You know, this is a 2002 yeah. <laughs> movie when Shaggy features three times on the Showtime soundtrack. So good for them. I, actually, the one blue- I, I was wondering, I heard his, I thought it was the same song over and over again, to be honest. Like, I didn't realize it was three songs. I thought they played the same Shaggy song three times. Well, in all fairness, if you ever listen to any of Shaggy's music, you do think it's the same song over and over again. Um, so, you know. That's- Typically, you know it's a Shaggy song if he just goes at some point during the song, shh. Shaggy! Yeah, exactly. Oh, and also, sorry, Colin, just got a text message from 2002. We've also exceeded our Shaggy quota for the 2000s. So, <laughs> sorry about that, world. Sorry. We're not we're not ready for a, a Shaggy reboot and uh, him coming back into popular culture. Um, yeah, Showtime, the bloopers. I also like the, the Rene Russo, William Shatner bit. I swear that's ad-libbed, like the whole little moment between those two. There's a, there's a buddy cop movie, William Shatner and Rene Russo. Make it happen. I'd watch Showtime it. Showtime too. Yes. Rene Russo and William Shatner. That would be a match made in heaven. Uh, I just want to try a little experiment here, if you'll just bear with me for a second. <clears throat> what happened to the good old days where people just grew pot in their garages? <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> what are you going to do? Wrap me up in caution tape? Top cop? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think it works better. It does because, like, this is the thing. People who complain about oh, sitcoms are so outdated with laugh tracks. Like, why do you even need them? Like, it makes you laugh. It does make you laugh, and like that legitimately yeah. made me laugh. I was not faking that. Uh, so. It's showtime. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Hang on, Colin. Let me try something. <clears throat> My name is Ben Waterworth. Not working. Uh, no, you gotta be funny first. You gotta right. be a level of comedy. <laughs> God damn it. Somebody will laugh at my joke one day. 
All right. Um, hang on, hang on, hang on, time. hang on, hang on, hang on. Noah, right. Noah, <clears throat> Noah, Noah got a date the other day. No? Oh. Oh, there we go. <laughs> that, was, that was like a smattering of applause. It was. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, yeah, I just don't buy it. The cricket says, you know, if we had any sense of planning, you would tell me that I could put that in post-production, but hey, I'm lazy, so. <laughs> this isn't live, Ben and Colin. <laughs> Oh, all right. Uh, so Showtime. I Just like we were saying, I feel like this movie is unfairly criticized, you know, as being like, oh, it's such a terrible movie. As far as it being a bomb, too, it's got to be the same thing. I mean, the movie, it doesn't do great business, but it makes an okay amount of money, I guess. Um, uh, $85 million uh, is the budget, 77 worldwide. Now, of course, that's not 75 is their profit. Uh, that's going to be split with theaters and stuff like that. But still, it didn't lose like millions upon millions of dollars. It's it's average. Uh, it opens in March of 2002 on a, a really competitive weekend, too. The fact that it made as much money as it did, I think, is shocking. Uh, this opens number three at the box office with $15 million, which if you open number three right now with $15 million, if Eddie Murphy and Robert De Niro have a $15 million opening, they're happy in 2020. Uh, but the movies that this, that is beaten by number two was Resident Evil with seventeen million dollars, and number one Ice Age with forty six million. Which I I do remember when Ice Age came out, it was like people were like absolutely shocked that a non Disney movie or a non Pixar movie opened with like nearly fifty million dollars. So it had massive competition on both sides. You know, uh, family audiences going to Ice Age, kids going to Resident Evil. Um, other movies that were out that weekend, The Time Machine the second week, very big guilty pleasure of mine. I love The Time Machine. Uh, we Were Soldiers uh, in its third week. All about the Benjamins, 40 Days and 40 Nights, the most inappropriate movie I've ever seen in my life that I really hope we can cover on Bad Movie Month next year. <laughs> uh, John Q, Beautiful Mind, Peter Pan 2, Return to Neverland, oh. and Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring wow. in its 13th week, number 10. I'm, I'm, I must have missed um, that one, Peter Pan 2, Return to Neverland. I'll, I'll catch up on it one day, I promise. Did you skip straight to Peter Pan 3? Yeah, no, I did. I don't know why I did. But um, I'm just trying to find out because, like, Adventures of Pluto Nash was a, a massive bomb. We went over that. But yeah. uh, I think, did this do more than I Spy or was this the the I middle one? I tell you right now. I can see I Spy made uh, Showtime. Yeah. How much? Uh, well, I, I was going to say Showtime did $38 million domestically. It nah. was 69th highest grossing film. I Spy, $33 million, 81st. So, okay. um, so, so Pluto Nash was the worst. $5 million more. Yeah, so this was yeah. the highest grossing of the Eddie Murphy <laughs> Sucks in 2002 trilogy. Uh, but it still was just $2 million behind collateral damage. Um, and, and here's the other thing. If we're really going to talk about this as a, a huge bomb... Nobody looks at Resident Evil as a bomb. Mm. Resident Evil opens with $2 million more than this does. Resident Evil's final gross is only $2 million more than this is. And yet Resident Evil was considered a hit. Now, I understand, like, budget and stuff like this. I mean, you know, you're, you're paying a lot more uh, for your actors and all that. But you can't – poorly budgeted movie does not determine whether success or not. I mean the the movie still made more money than I think a movie like Showtime should have made. So I'm not going to call this a, an outright bomb. And, and, and um, the good news is it made $1 million more than Crossroads. So 
That's a success. There we go. And, I mean, look at uh, what was the darling of the movie industry that year, right? Gangs of New York. Showtime was more successful than Gangs of New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, as far as uh, reviews go, 25% of Rotten Tomatoes. Again, I don't quite get the hate for that. Uh, it's it's not a downright terrible movie. I don't I don't see anybody really watching this and saying, oh, what a classic. But there's nothing wrong with it. It gets nominated for Razzie for Eddie Murphy for worst actor, which let's just be honest. If and again, I'm not a fan of Madonna, but Madonna getting nominated for worst actress does not mean anything because they're going to nominate her no matter. It's just like Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester Stallone will get nominated even the same year he got nominated for an Oscar for Creed. I bet you they probably found a way to nominate him for worst actor. Um, but you know, still, you know. It, it's Eddie Murphy. They're going to nominate him. Which he <laughs> I don't think Eddie Murphy though. has ever. No, he didn't. So Eddie Murphy uh, was nominated for all of his movies that year, as we mentioned last year with Pluto Nash. He was nominated for Pluto Nash, I Spy, and Showtime. Uh, lost to Roberto Benigni for po- Pinocchio, who was coming off of an Oscar win. Uh, also nominated against him were Adam Sandler for Eight Crazy Nights. He didn't even nominate. There's another one. They're going to nominate Adam Sandler no matter what. Yeah. He gets nominated for an animated movie. Uh, Steven Seagal for Half Past Dead and Adriano Giannini for Swept, swept Away. Uh, which, by the way, worst actress went to Madonna that year for Swept Away. And Britney um, Spears. It was a tie for Crossroads. And Britney Spears, yeah. yeah. Uh, worst screen couple was the other one that this was nominated for, which lost to Madonna and the guy from Swept Away and Swept Away. And, and uh, what but- else was nominated in, in that year, Colin? It's coarse and rough and irritating <laughs> and it gets everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Natalie Portman and Hayden Christensen in Attack of the we've, Clones. We've nearly and covered... And- 2002 is a year that we've nearly covered everything because if you look at the couples in that, right? Yeah. Swept away, we've done. We've done Attack of the Clones. We've done Pluto Nash. Uh, we've done Showtime. We're about to do I Spy. We've done Crossroads. So, Pinocchio, uh, it's coming soon. You're next. <laughs> I'd be excited if we could cross all of 2012. 2002 is one of these great years where it's like there were so many really amazing movies and then so many absolutely dreadful movies. Yeah. Like it would be really fascinating to just do 2002 month where we pick the two best 2002 movies we've never talked about, the two worst 2002 movies. Well, the worst pictures. Potential. If, yeah. if anything. Go ahead. I keep interrupting well, you, was- Colin. No, if 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 Wonder Woman gets delayed again, we should do it. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, say, let's do worst it. picture that year. Yeah, I think I think, and I'm pretty sure from memory we've talked about this in plenty of these episodes. Swept Away, Pluto Nash, Crossroads, Pinocchio, and Attack of the Clones were the worst picture nominees that year. Swept Away won it, but um, yeah, God, this was a, a big turkey year in terms of some that are considered ultimate turkeys. But again, none of these. I mean, I enjoyed Swept Away. I rented it from memory. Crossroads was fine. Um, I weirdly like Pluto Nash. Attack of the Clones is great. Shut up, everyone. Uh, so <laughs> Pinocchio clearly is going to be a brilliant movie. Um, Life or something like it. That was an okay movie, I remember. Uh, Christopher Walken was on there for the Country Bears. <laughs> sure. Uh, anyway, sorry. Yes. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this. This episode has been a weird episode today, Colin. I apologize to our listener out there. Lad undercover. Tell us how weird this episode's been. <laughs> Uh, I just want to see if I could find, there's not really any, you know, reviews to read here. I just want to see if I could find one of our great bad reviews here. Oh. Um, from, from IMDB or are you talking about the real ones? Yeah. Our IMDB. Well, the first one reviews, a or you can soul find a sucking waste of 90 minutes. That's a that's, good one to go for. That's what I was looking at. Yeah. Um, yeah. so this must uh, have been a good just screenplay. Just to summarize, 
<laughs> just to just to summarize here, uh, M. Garcia uh, said in April of 2002, one out of ten, a soul sucking waste of 90 minutes. To summarize here, let's get this out of the way. I like Eddie Murphy. I like Robert De Niro. I like Rene Russo. I like cop buddy pictures. Not buddy cop, cop buddy pictures. God help me. I even like Tom Day's last film, <laughs> Shanghai Noon. <laughs> um, uh, basically, they, a couple of things in here. I hated Showtime. It was 90 minutes of life force draining schlock that made me depressed and P blank 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 ED off. <laughs> 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 uh, let's imagine what these words could be for the rest of the day i only spent 575 but that was at least 574 too much uh they do finish it off by saying this is my first review on imdb i never felt like taking the time to review a film here before but i, I gladly took a few extra minutes out of my day just to warn people about this movie thank you for the warning L- long time listener first time caller um i do like a couple ones here the headline for this one Big V82. Showtime is blow time. That's kind of funny. But uh, <laughs> from Frozen Dreamer, whose headline is, uh, okay, fine. And their short review, I'm afraid to say anything positive about this particular movie would go against every moral that I have. It was quite possibly the worst thing I have ever inflicted upon my eyeballs in the time that I have spent on this good earth. The only memory that I will keep of the film is a feeling of disgust towards myself for shelling out the £5.50 to sit in the seat for 45 minutes. Yes, I walked out, closely followed by the people I was with. Fellow movie watchers and film buffs alike, stay away from showtime if you value your sanity and hard-earned money. You notice that everybody who's upset about this movie feels the need to explain how much they paid for it? Yeah. (laughs) Can I just say, have you ever walked out of a movie, Colin? Ever? Um... I don't think so, no. I've fallen asleep to one or two, but yeah, yeah, I don't think I've ever walked out. I fell asleep in Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. I believe that's the only one I've ever fallen asleep in. But the closest I ever came to walking out... Okay, there are two movies for two different reasons. I very nearly walked out on Cloverfield just because it was making me feel so fucking sick that I nearly walked out. Um, And I nearly walked out in the Lion King remake last year because I was so incensed of how terrible it was that I nearly walked out on it. So there are the two... But I, I never have. I've never walked out of one. Yeah, funny. Uh, Jamie actually, um, Jamie walked out of Cloverfield because it was too noisy for her. It wasn't even the <laughs> shaky camera. I was like, this movie's too noisy. Oh, I just felt um, so sick. Like, I've never felt that sick watching a movie before. And I liked the movie when I saw of it. But um, I just, uh, the big screen, the shaky cam, like, I was, I was knee vomiting. I just have to read this one positive 10 out of 10 review here from Maros 612 Ah, Maros, how you doing Maros? Uh, first of all, the, the title of this is Celebration of Film Act, period. <laughs> I don't know if that's act abbreviated or if that's just period, film act. Uh, this is very brief here, but amazing. It's exactly what I expected from it. Relaxing, humorous, and entertaining. The acting couple was awesome. <laughs> So they don't even get names. De Niro and Eddie Murphy are referred to as the acting couple. The acting couple was awesome, as well as the scene selection. (laughs) 
I personally recommend this. It's kind of the movie that can be seen by whole family at the same time without anyone feeling uncomfortable or getting bored. This cute movie will make you smile and laugh too. And the action scenes are tasty. <laughs> Classics of modern American comedy and very well done. Now, now, is that written by Tom uh, Day sixty one or something like that? Tom Day. I like I like this one above it uh, by Pachinga Two. If you want a movie to make you cry, then just skip this one. Like some other reviews said, I gave this movie a ten because it made me laugh and it's well produced. De Niro and Murphy roles are amazingly delivered by each of them, and even the dog scenes are to make you laugh. My favorite part. <laughs> the dog scene- is when Russo describes Mitch's apartment as a good match to his personality as she opens a window and she finds that the view there is from a brick wall. My other favourite part is the dog. Oh, hold on, hold on. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> My other favourite part is the dog with his nose covered in white dust. Another scene is Mitch trying to get out of his new Hummer without being noticed by his fellow co-workers. One of my heartbreakers is when they try to take away everything Mitch given to decorate his apartment to make it look sophisticated, but he holds on to the dog he didn't even want to begin with. That's the review. Uh, that's it. Uh. Wow. <laughs> uh, wow. Plot keywords are really lame for this movie. Um, I've got at least one good one here. House Falls on Person Month. Oh, um, finally. I've been waiting for that one. Well, sadly, it's going to be short because we're halfway there. Showtime is number two. Number one is Dragon Ball Evolution, which has Emmy Rossum. We could at least do another Emmy Rossum movie. Okay. Uh, are those really the only two house falls on people movies? Uh, I mean, does the satellite dish in Goldeneye count? Um, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. You uh, could do Talking While Driving Month. Yeah. If we wanted to. Actor Playing Himself Month. Sure. Dog Month. There's a simple one. Gangster Grip Month. Okay, here we go. Gangster Grip featuring the Fast and the Furious. Oh, no, I'm out. I've read the Fast and the Furious. I'm done. Uh, I'm not doing that month. Yeah. <laughs> uh, pottery Month. Watch number one on I that think be? we did this one. Oh, we did already, didn't yeah. we? Titanic. Oh, Remember? yeah. Oh, yeah. That's uh, Ghost number two. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, well, that's lame. What are we going to do with this movie? Ah. <sighs> I'm not binning it. I'm not buying it. I'm renting it. I, uh, it's, yeah. it's fine. Like, it's fine. Yeah. You know, it's it's not... It does not deserve the hate it gets. No, exactly. It really doesn't. And, like, this is a movie I could watch again. If this was on TV at, like, midnight or a midday movie, I'm going to be like, okay, showtime. Yeah, sure. You know? I like the cast. Um, there's some good action sequences in it. It's not brilliant. It's not going to be on the top of my pile to watch anytime soon, but... You know, I sure if it was in a bargain bin for a dollar at Walmart, I'd, I'd buy it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but other than that, yeah, yeah it's fine. <laughs> exactly, fine is the best word. There is nothing wrong with this movie. It is hands down one of the top two Tom Day films ever made. Yeah, exactly, and that's saying something. That's it. It's the top fifty percent Tom Day films. Um, but yeah, I would do the same thing. I would rent it. I wouldn't consider this a high rent, but. I still enjoyed it. I wasn't bored during the movie. It was funny without being laugh out loud funny a lot of the time. It wasn't annoying at any part. It had some okay action and nobody phoned it in. Yeah. So solid red. Yep. So which can we just say then, does this this I think this automatically goes to second on the ratings of our Rene Russo month because we've been free Jack. 
uh, and we bought yep. uh, Thomas Crown Affair from memory. So mm. number th- number two. So well, I know I what your number one's going to be. It's in a week's time, but yeah. Oh yeah, there, there, there's no question. Get Shorty's number one, but. Even with Free Jack, though, we still enjoyed it. We were almost close to renting the movie. So, bad Rene Russo is still great. Yeah, exactly. So, more movies, Rene Russo. I'm sure Rocky and Bullwinkle isn't that bad. I don't know. I've never seen it. <laughs> but maybe one day. We could add it to Bad Movie Month next year. Who's the third person? Well, okay, there's Rocky and Bullwinkle. <laughs> there's Robert De Niro and there's uh, Rene Russo. Isn't there somebody else famous in that movie? Uh, Jason Was Jason Alexander in it? Oh, is he famous? <laughs> is Jason Kelly? No, I mean, Seinfeld? for I Seinfeld so. fans, he's famous. Not famous. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a Seinfeld fan, so um, it doesn't mean anything to me. I yeah, swear, there's uh, someone else see. in that. Maybe it is Jason Alexander. Um, Jason Alexander. Randy yeah. Quaid is in it. Uh, John yeah. Goodman is in it. Um, that's Carl Reiner, who just died. Yeah, Rip. Um, Billy Crystal is uncredited as a mattress sales. Whoopi Goldberg's in it as a judge cameo. So <laughs> there you go. Um, oh, I, I know who it is. It's Piper Parabo. That's who it is. Yep. <gasps> is she in that movie? She's in it. She's young Karen. Oh, uh, actually, no, she's not young Karen. Let's, no, seriously, let's cover that. <laughs> oh, let's cover it, please. You actually know this person? Am I Am I losing the joke yeah. here? Oh, she was in Beverly Hills no, Chihuahua. She's... Let's do it. <laughs> No, no, she's she's the star of Covert Affairs, which uh, oh. one of my I think it made my top fifteen favorite shows. Gotcha. And oh, she's in Coyote Ugly though. Oh. I don't like that movie. Oh, uh, but let's cover it just for her. Uh, okay. She's in Cheaper by the Dozen with Tom Welling. Well, I want a man. Oh, we definitely got Black Butterfly. Yeah. She's in Black Butterfly. Um. <laughs> oh, there we go. I hate it when so, my jokes aren't funny because you actually like a person. <laughs> Um, all right. So next week, we actually, not even joke, joking aside, oh, very episode. excited about this. this <laughs> if, if I made a list of, let's say, 10 movies when we started the Oz Network, where I'm like, you know, I don't care what it is. One day we have to cover this movie. Get Shorty would have been on that list for me. Uh, so much so that I actually, sh- I think originally we didn't pick Get Shorty's Beyond Rene Russo month because it almost was too daunting, you know, considering how long our star wars episodes were and you know die hard even and some of the spider-mans and terminator 2 it's like oh my goodness do i have the energy to do a get shorty because this is one of these movies where every single line of this movie is perfect every moment is movie every shot in the movie is perfect just the attitudes of the characters you want to talk about incredible cast i mean I already mentioned this uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think, on Thomas Crown. I think that there were two really great roles that Rene Russo had, Thomas Crown Affair and Get Shorty. Like, everybody shines in this movie, and it was, I would say, really the start of John Travolta, who was my favorite actor, uh, I would say, of the late 90s. Like, no joke, I loved John Travolta in the 90s, and Get Shorty was the main reason why. We this is our third John Travolta film, uh, is it? Battlefield Earth and is it? and Face Off. Have we done another? Oh, Greece fourth. Oh yeah, we've done Greece, of course. Yeah, four. Um, which is crazy because I'm I'm a Travolta fan. I'm, I'm Swordfish is one that I really would like to do. I like Swordfish. Um, old was it? Is it old hogs where they're all on their bike riders? Old dogs. Wild hogs. Wild hogs. Wild. You know, weird guilty pleasure movie that one. You know, you have Tim Allen, John Travolta, William H Macy, Martin Lawrence. What's not to like? Good good combination there. So. <laughs> 
you know, I'm down for a, a wild hogs or old hog, whatever the hell that movie's called. <laughs> called. Didn't they do a the second one? Hogs. Didn't they do a second one? No. No. no you think of old dogs, which was bad, <laughs> but not, not wild hogs. Are you a wild hogs fan, Colin? Wild hogs I love. I mean, you've got William H. Basie and John Schmolt and Tim Allen. Of course, I'm going to love them. And Martin Lawrence. I feel Martin, Martin Lawrence, Lawrence is getting a bad stick yeah. in this movie. I like Martin Lawrence. Leave Martin Lawrence alone. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have no history with Get Shorty. I've never seen it. I, for one, always weirdly thought this was a Quentin Tarantino movie. I don't know why. I just randomly thought it was. But, I mean, Danny DeVito is in this movie. Go, Danny DeVito. Uh, and Martin Ferrero, Donald Gennaro from Jurassic Park is in this movie. So, uh... Oh. I didn't know that, but uh, I, I, I'm, I'm down for any Jurassic Park actor being in a film. Gene Hackman, the guy who's not dead. We thought he was, but apparently he's not. So, um, yeah, I, I, I have no history. I don't know what to expect from this movie. Uma Thurman's in the sequel, right? For some reason, I thought Uma Thurman was in this yeah. one, but she's in the next yeah, one. Yeah, she's in Be Cool, the sequel. Which, is that the which, first time that Travolta and Uma Thurman were together again since Pulp Fiction? It was. Yeah, that's the whole reason they cast her. I, I, we talked about this in Batman, Robin. Uma Thurman. Yeah, I'm a fan. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah, in the right movie. Yeah, in the right movie. <laughs> my my super ex girlfriend, where she throws a shark in the, <laughs> the window. Is that Luke Wilson or Owen Wilson? Which Wilson's in that one? It was Luke Wilson, right? Uh oh, I don't even know. I like um, Luke Wilson. Why do we say these random people that we like? Uma Thurman, Luke Wilson. Now there's a couple. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm looking forward to it. I, I like I again, I don't know if I had seen Showtime before this, but I'm basically going into this entire month really having never seen most of these. So, yeah, bring it on. You, you should We're doing bring it on now. All right. I don't um, mind bring it on. For the, we're, we're discovering all these movies that like had the trend like the stupid animal in a sports movies month um this month that the, the you know the old geriatrics in a Disney movie month and <laughs> the that weird craze in the early 2000s where everything was either a cheerleader or a dance movie. Now, I'm down for cheerleaders. Yeah. I am 100% down. What was that lesbian cheerleader movie that we want to do? I'm down for that. Yeah. But dance movies? No. I draw a line there. Like, Mallory's like, oh, I love dance movies. I'm like, what? The one that they did that was exactly the same, like Step Up, Step Up 3, Save the Last Step Up, um, Shall We Step Up, <laughs> Last Dance 3, Tango 4. Um, I mean, they're all the same movie. Step Up, Tokyo Drift. That was one of them, right? <laughs> the Fast and the Step Up. Um, <laughs> step Up 2, Attack By of the, the Clones. <laughs> this just in, um, we have just been tagged. Literally, as we're on the air here, we have been tagged uh, in a video of Nuns on the Run. Uh, <laughs> oh, which, but Eric Idle and Robbie Coltrane oh. disguised as nuns. We we will do this movie at some point in the future. You have our promise. I, I'm there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Step up seven nuns on the run. Uh. <laughs> We're going to do... Matt, you can join us for nuns on the run recap. We'll make some guy time out of it, well, okay? Well, Matt, Matt's joining us on the Bowfinger one. I've, I've made him that promise that when we yeah. do Bowfinger, he, he, will, he, he loves Bowfinger as much as you do. So um, how have we not done Bowfinger, Colin? I know it was the 20th anniversary last year too. Oh, gotcha, sucker. 
<laughs> chubby rain. <laughs> just I, 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 I'm being honest with you. We've had a lot of rain in the last week or so in Winnipeg. It rains Slurpees here. You'd be, you'd be amazed. But um, <laughs> it looks re- real rain though. <laughs> And like there were some fat raindrops and I can't even count how many people I said, did you notice that it's chubby rain out there? And they just looked at me like, what? And I'm like, Bowfinger. And they're like, no. I'm like, no, it's a movie. That was like, did I tell you that I had about how many different Fifth Element references drop in like the last like week or yeah. it was like how I <laughs> literally bought a car off a guy called Corbin and he sent me a message saying, thanks from Corbin. <laughs> Dallas multi multi pass and I like replied with like another can't remember what fifth element quote it was but it's like dude fifth element quote yes <laughs> how have we not done the fifth element uh, oh we got a long list the to get Luke through now the Luke Besson film duology can we do yeah. that with the professional <laughs> I mean a Natalie Portman movie you probably enjoy I yeah but if I have to cover Natalie Portman, I might go with Arthur and the Invisibles if we're doing like Luke Besson movies. No, what's wrong with the professional? Nothing's wrong with the movie. It's just something's wrong with Natalie Portman. She was the first movie. She was a little kid. Leave her alone. <laughs> it's got Gary Oldman in Anyways. it. Anyways. John Reno. Like, it sells itself. Anyways, <laughs> we will be back for Get Shorty. Uh, in let's hope seven days time uh, we will be back for nuns on the run possibly sooner than that uh, still remains to be seen thank you for joining us more Rene Russo coming up um, my name is Colin and can somebody find the 50 foot shark <laughs> <laughs> and my name is Ben and I think two drops of pee just came out Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time.